0: Welcome to a completely unnecessary podcast for Wednesday, December tenth, two thousand and fourteen. Alongside Pac-Man and his little nice little Christmas hat, Santa Man, and Santa Man and Ian Ferguson, we're in a jolly mood. How are you doing, Ian? Oh, we're we're jolly. Um, how, how are sales at the store? <laughs> <laughs> they were actually really
1: busy over the weekend. Um, today, uh, not 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 so much. Uh, you know. Updates, personal life, um, (laughs) the things, I don't know, I'm getting ready for the holidays, I'm trying to get all my shopping done, I'm, um, trying to get some things (laughs) together for something I have going on in January. We booked MagFest. We booked MagFest.
0: I mean, they didn't book us, but we booked MagFest. Do we even have a panel? We don't know if we have a panel yet for MagFest. We don't,
1: we're not, fucking A. Um... (laughs) That's not going to help our cause. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> saying. I, you know, I felt like we knew in like August last year, um, which <laughs> no. is a lie. I'm just saying that's, that's what it felt like. Um, but yeah, no, other than that, uh, Bonnie is going out of town this weekend to work at another comic convention in Phoenix, which means that... I'll be watching a lot of nature documentaries, all but, the boring ones. I've been
0: watching all, all uh, Star Trek: Next Generation on Netflix. I I really like that show a lot more now that I'm older. Oh yeah, me too.
1: No, and so, I went back and watched some of it like two years ago. First, I liked it way better. First
0: season's not good. The second season starts to get going. By the third season, Isn't though, the, yeah. third season, there's some good episodes. You should watch good the episode.
1: first season. But yeah,
0: the first I, season. I, is, I looked at the. I basically judged <laughs> it by the descriptions. If I, I said like, yeah. that sounds kind of corny. The first season of Next Generation tried too much to be like the original series, where the nestes were so over the top and. Clean glaring, where the, there was like no moral ambiguity at all, it was just like, well it's like having the half black, half white creatures fighting with the other creatures that are have the opposite, you know, it, it, yeah. there, it was that Beating you over the head versus making you think a little bit at least. But it certainly got more nuanced and everyone kind of filled out their roles, I'd say, by season yeah. three. Yeah, the Borg come there and they're better, and then you know you have Warp actually get stuff to do by the third season instead of just standing there looking mean. Yeah. So I don't know why we're talking about this. We have an action packed show tonight. We got a lot to get. We're through. talking about the uh the game awards, no longer the video game awards. We're talking about the Zelda Wii U footage revealed, Street Fighter 5 exclusivity to PS4. Amigo is being discontinued. What's going on there? We're talking about the PewDiePie South Park episode at Last week, as well as U2 Rewind that came out. PS4 20th Anniversary Systems. Target. Australia pulling GTA 5 from store shelves. Terminator Genesis trailer, maybe. Spectre Bond film announced, maybe. Sony Marvel Spider Man talks falling apart, or are they? Uh, Deadpool. Star Wars Force Awakens. Max Miri. Max, Max Fury Max <laughs> Fury Fury Road trailer I can't talk wrestling CM Punk and your Q&A let's get started There is no effing way we're getting through all of that uh, On on a more somber note we'll start this with uh Ralph Baer passed away over the weekend and I'm very proud, this time with the video game community, of actually coming out in droves and lots of good articles, praising the man's life and his accomplishments for helping to start, well, he invented the console game industry and really did video games in the U.S. for the most part. You can go back to MIT and the mainframe com- you know, computer games of the 60s, but that would have never really done much unless someone like Ralph Baer put it in everyone's living room on TV. Um, and Ralph is not a guy that, when you talk about video game history, he doesn't come up a lot, as much as he really should. Right. Talking about the Nolan Bush, you now he's talking about the Miyamotos. You don't talk about Ralph Baer, unfortunately, a lot. Uh, he's a guy that um, had a very long and great life. Uh, he escaped uh, Nazi Germany as, uh, as part of it. He was, he was Jewish. He, yeah, he was Jewish. He left uh, three, three months before they really started clamping down uh, on the Jews and sending them away to the camps like literally three months before he got out, his family thankfully. He served in the U.S. military, did a lot of good stuff for there, and then the 60s comes and he just had a lot of cool ideas. I mean, not just for video games, he had the idea of ordering stuff through your telephone in the 60s, stuff like that. Right. Having like a modem hooked up to a you know a TV basically before people were really thinking about these things besides the Magnavox uh, Odyssey, which he contributed to via the Brown Box. So, um, yeah, he's a guy that, hell, he, he he started a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar year in, industry and really didn't get much for it uh, for all that work. I know uh, Bushnell basically stole the Pong idea from him uh, and then helped start Atari from that. And I think he did get money out of that via Magnavox going after uh, that through their patents. So he did get something off that. But he's not a guy that you really hear heard a lot about after, you know, the 70s. You know,
1: I, I think for a lot of people, especially early on in the internet, a lot of people looked at Bushnell as kind of the, the father of it. And, 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 um, information about Bayer and the appreciation of Bayer became more widespread, uh, as people wrote more articles on him in the two thousands and things like that. Um, and he talked a bit more, uh, he was 92 when he passed away. Um, and I mean, he led a full life. And as you have already said, you know, uh, Pretty damn decent one, and and one that was, uh, you know, helped by his intelligence and by his, you know, the luck and the ability to get out of uh, Nazi Germany. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the. I don't want to sound maybe cold, but I think one of the interesting things about Ralph Bayer and him passing away is um, when you look at popular media, I guess I would call it, you know, uh, popular pastimes, you know, video games, books, movies, Mm -hmm. music, those sorts of things. Um, You know, none of us alive really remember... Uh, none of us alive remember the passing of the person who uh, invented movies, you know, or yeah, the person who invented the, the the printing press, or the sure. person who, uh, you know, re, you know, who learned uh, recorded music. And and here we have, you know, kind of a very quiet, unassuming guy, and he's passed away. And you know, when you really think about, you know. It's interesting because the time span has been so short, really. For yeah. video. It, it, it makes you realize how short video games have actually been an actual form of entertainment that yeah. we are actually alive to see the passing of basically the founder of the home video game console market.
0: Yeah, it's less than 50 years. And this, unless something else that comes out we're not aware of, uh, this is the last entertain, entertainment medium that's been created. Right. This is it. This, I mean, is, this could be it. We don't know. There could be some sort of, like, neuro thing that happens where we can visualize it in our head. You know what I mean? Some sort of interactive thing like that. But this is it for now, at least, for but, the foreseeable future. You know, I was actually
1: thinking about that today. You know, you think about virtual reality or something like that. But if you're still using it to play games... I mean, is he still the father of of, of games, or, or is there? Well, you know, do you have to
0: make a, a, a cut off at some point. Well, a video game that wouldn't be video, video game games in your head. Right, that'd sure, be like sure. mental. You know what I mean? That be that'd be. It might be based on the same sort of uh, creative process of video games, but it wouldn't be video games. No, that, that, that's fair. You know I mean, uh, but it's again, it's interesting. Uh, he's not a guy that until I, I was very happy to see all the articles on every major gaming site do something at least on him it, he, so he's not been forgotten and he's a guy again that he's, he wasn't a billionaire he was living in New Hampshire modest pr- probably fairly modest means by probably his own volition and I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if Mandevox still gets um royalties from every single video game that console has come out since the 70s due to the patent since mm-hmm. they originally patented the idea of interactive video games to a tv right i don't know if, if nintendo and sony has to pay out a, a percentage even if it's like five thousand dollars per whatever ten years even something so i'm not sure if that's going on but you know he lived a great full life i'm glad to see him honored um and yeah what else can you say he he served his country he helped There's a reason we're doing the podcast, you know. Partially, you you have a video games. You 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 work in a video game store, partially because they're out there, right?
1: yeah, I mean, my entire job owes, and owes itself. To and him. he
0: seemed like a cool guy. Like he honestly did. Like I've, i I. Yeah, he seemed very he, laid back. If, very you YouTube, you, if you go on YouTube, you, if you go on YouTube, you can see like the sort of like half hour demonstration of all the technology that was coming mm-hmm. up on his head. Besides uh, the brown box which he had and was demonstrating, but besides having like a modem hooked up to like a TV to order stuff, which is insane to think about in the 60s that he wanted at least yeah. thought about through that. He just seemed like a cool, laid back, kind of a jokey guy that, you know, he probably never, he probably never envisioned. I think he even said that. I just sort of kick-started this thing. And it it went in the direction I never thought it would go. And that's how usually it all starts. And he wasn't like someone like Thomas Edison who was cutthroat and wanted to kill the competition. You know, he wasn't like that where – that's why you remember Edison because he was ruthless. This was a guy that wanted everyone to, you know, to have a chance to do what he created, not keep them out. You know, and that's very important to get a a, sort of a burgeoning industry going to get as many people as possible into it and not – you know not dry them out not to con- control like edison tried to do with with electricity you know ac versus dc things like that he always looked
1: happy so. too. I don't know. I noticed that today when just looking at some articles oh. of him. Like, and that's the nice thing. Like you said, you know, all the the, the website said something. It was nice to, after months and months of drama, to see kind of everyone on the same page sure. with something. But you know, the pictures that they used for, I mean, I'm sure they were nice shots. But he always just seemed to have like a half smile on. You know, he yeah. always seemed happy. And there's something
0: they said. They do studies that usually the happier you are, the longer you live. There. Yeah. So there you go, Ralph Bear. Hope you're. Table tennising up I was going to say ponging up wasn't Pong. table tennising up somewhere, <laughs> right? So the game awards uh, happened. They used to be the VGAs. They used to be on Spike TV. Uh, Jeff Keeley uh, produces and hosts it. And uh, very mixed feelings about the award uh, show overall. I'll just start by my major problems with it is that you know the board of directors of the show are all the major video game companies first and foremost. You know so. You, you know that going into watching the Game Awards, and now it's only on the internet, it's not on any network anymore, It's it, I'd say 75% is advertisers for upcoming games. You have to know that going into watching the show. Obviously, that's where the money comes the, to make this, but you have to know that they get together in a room, Sony, Microsoft, Ubisoft, Nintendo. They all are, they all contribute to this project. They are on, you watch the credits, they are part of this. And, and hell, they, they they help introduce it. I mean, it was introduced by Reggie fils introduced the video game awards. So yeah. it's like, you know it's not, you know it's not, you know, this is totally being run by the people that have an interest in it. Which again, you don't want to see that, but it's almost like you have to, it's not like it's, it's not like it's gotten to the point where movies where at least they have a disconnect on the Oscars. Here, That it's not at all. Obviously, it's not. Right i don't think i don't think video games are are
1: necessarily big enough yet for a uh, an award show like that it's why i don't watch it though it doesn't seem it just it feels like a dog and pony show it doesn't feel reputable it none of it none of it seems like it's for real it all seems kind of fake all the the winners are pretty much predictable and mailed in but every once in a while on these shows you get something that's pretty interesting and I, i i looked it up as soon as i heard about it um Ken and Roberta Williams were honored on it, which is a pretty damn big deal uh, just because they are not modern and they are not... Um, well, they have been involved in the games like
0: 15 years. Right.
1: So it's, it's, they're not necessarily names that would resonate with a large portion sure. of the modern gaming audience. Uh, yet the Game Awards felt the need to bring
0: them on. Um, well, and- Ken and Roberta Williams were the founders of Sierra. Right. Uh, Ken Williams basically ran the company. Roberta Williams obviously worked on a lot of games. Obviously, her huge claim, claim to fame is the King's Quest series. She was to, to me, she's the you know the grandmother or, or mother of, of video games because of that. She's the first big name. Establish a franchise. I think she was also involved in um, Gabriel Knight to some extent, but I don't. I don't think she was the main. She wasn't the main author I, of that.
1: I know that. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that was someone completely. Awesome. But, but th-
0: then there was a few other game series uh, she was involved with, but obviously the big one is, is uh, uh, King's Quest. So but this is what I'm going to get into. Though is that they were honored for a, a few minutes. They came out and spoke. They did a nice presentation on them. It was nice. The the guy who introduced them was very heartfelt. You can yeah. tell. I, I've, I it got the amount of applause I expected. There was some polite applause. Some people, I'd say, ten percent of the people were really thrilled, and the other ninety percent, who the hell, they don't like who are these old people that we don't know who they are. Right. But then, of course, Activision is revealed that there's a new King's Quest game coming out. I'm not, I'm not even going to talk about the quality of the game. I won't ask this question though. Do you think there's any chance in hell they would have honored Ken and Roberto Williams if it wasn't for Activision coming out with a new King's Quest game? No,
1: but that doesn't make it any less nice to see them getting of some course re-
0: recognition. But, but no, they would not have just pulled them up for no, no goddamn reason. But if they were only used as the preface and introduction to the trailer, which is what they were, basically they spoke for a few minutes and they did get a chance to speak. And they looked great. Roberta Williams looks fantastic. And she hasn't too. aged a freaking day. She's got to be closing on 60. She looks fantastic. Ken so. honestly doesn't look that much no, different than he did either. I mean, obviously they started the, the, the Sierra, like, probably the early 20s, back in, like, 70s. Right. It, like, it was like 78, about. Study diet of baby blood. Baby <laughs> well, <laughs> I had to keep them looking young. Of the Sierras? I, yeah, I have, um, I have no idea. But, but I, I mean, that's what bothered me the most. Uh, the game looks fine. I think it's supposed to be, You your, your, think you're King Arthur. Or again, or at least Arthur in, in the new game. It's It looks like it's a... You know, a 3D platformer with some puzzle involved in the trailer. So it looks like they're trying to get some elements in there from the from the games. But obviously, they're going to have to update it to have some sort of interactive adventuring besides well uh, puzzle games. What I liked was
1: when you look at the trailer, and we can only go based on the trailer. Um, there was almost no combat highlighted. I don't, as a matter of fact, I don't remember seeing any combat. Well, highlighted there was. He had a bow and arrow. Oh, he had a bow and arrow. But who's to say that's not part of a puzzle? I mean, that's the only thing they showed. Um, And then, you know, what I think the game is going to end up being is I think it'll probably end up being similar to the Telltale series of games. There's that segment where he's going down the river on the slab and he's jumping a few Mm -hmm. things. So I'm going to assume that it's going to be a lot of puzzle solving like we saw in the traditional games. But then I'm sure there's going to be some quick time elements that lead to deaths and things like that that you have to redo.
0: That was my only problem with it. It's great that they present it to them, but... They should have presented to them after the reveal, I believe, because then, like, the last half, they were just awkwardly off to the side while the the new developer comes on and talks for, like, three minutes, and it's like... That's kind of a slap in their faces. It probably should have been revealed first. Yes, they should have revealed... This is King's Quest, cause, uh, because what's the difference if the audience didn't know what King's Quest was anyway, they weren't going to automatically start caring because of a, 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 a three-minute vignette. sure Let's be honest. I'm not going to give a shit either way. If they, if they didn't play those games. Also, they're not going to go, oh, there's a point-and-click adventure game I never played or care about the genre. I'm going to care about the remake. No. They should have showed the original, then brought them out as a surprise. I would have I marked out probably even more if that was the case, if it was like that, versus let's just get these people down here to help promote our game next year. Mm-hmm. That just rubbed me really the wrong way. And that goes to show you why these game awards there's so much just it's, it, unless they separate from the industry itself they you can't have an award show Unless yeah. you separate from the industry you're trying to you know give out awards to it doesn't make any sense to me
1: i agree i mean my the, my nostalgia for the adventure game era i mean i played tons of them in the 80s and the 90s and honestly i was i was really split between sierra and LucasArts. like like most
0: people were yeah, Those were the big uh, two big dominant companies
1: my my warmth for them you know, I kind of let that take me away from the fact that, like you said, it was kind of insulting. But overall, I can't watch those things. I, I wait until after the fact. I didn't. I, I didn't know about Ken and Roberta until after the fact. Which, me too. Which is probably why it bothered me less at, at the time as well, because the first time I watched it, I watched it separate from the the trailer, mm-hmm. without any idea of the the ordering. Um, they're just painful to to, to watch. And everyone, I think it's funny. Um. And people are going to. You know, it's even people on my Twitter feed, so I'm not just taking fucking stabs at no one. Um, Everyone talks about how much they suck and how they're not going to watch them, and then every year during the Video Game Awards, my fucking Twitter feed is blown well, up with people commenting th- on because
0: this shit. That's it. That's the only awards they have. And it's like right. it's, it's presented like the Oscars, so it, you think it has some significance when it really does it when it's really. But if they're dog shit, why would you yeah, watch it's... just
1: because it's the only thing? I mean, what, what what's the point?
0: Yeah, it's not like. <sighs> I don't want. We can go off on this for for hours about about how this is structured, and obviously it's the industry money that makes it go. And we already said they're they're basically on the board constructed. They would not. Nintendo would not have said we're going to give you money to probably help do this unless we can promote all our games. You know, and, and and basically every company had their own speaker come out. You know, the Sony president comes out. You know, and, and talks about their. You know what I mean? It's just you know what's going to happen. Sure. But we did see something. At least cool that we could talk about. Uh, they revealed uh, it was like a five or six minute video. It's pretty long video. Uh, Miyamoto with some other guy I don't know his name that's helping develop the new Zelda Wii U game and it's showing some of the open world footage, which did look cool. Uh, what I liked
1: about it, a um, couple of key points that I liked about it: the world is not very. Uh, it didn't look very flat. Yeah, um, even in games like Skyrim. Um, sometimes I have trouble, you know, finding the mountains to climb and things like that. They're there, don't get me wrong, sure. but uh, there seemed to be um, a focus on tall places to climb so you could get these gorgeous vistas of of you know uh, Hyrule. You know, as you're as you're playing around. Um, what also interested me, truly from a gameplay perspective, that actually made me go, "Wow, that's really awesome." Was it sounds so stupid, but it's how the horse mechanics work with Epona. <laughs> um i don 't know if you you paid attention to that prior if you saw it, but basically you don 't have to steer a ton when yes. you 're riding on the horse. You kind of set a point and you maneuver the horse in you know in certain directions, but you don 't have to constantly be steering and the as horse the guy, just goes and as the right. guy said he 's like, well, because real horses don 't often crash into trees, so if you're aiming a pona through a force, you can then control link and use your bow and arrow to shoot things, and the horse is going to weave in and out of trees naturally. And that's not... That, to me, is great, because that's not hand-holding in a video game. That's actual realism in a game that makes sense.
0: Yeah, It's not hand-holding. It's also not something that's going to be boring you to tears trying to avoid every little tree that comes up. Right. Otherwise, it'd be a chore to want to explore the world and go place to place. I will say this, though. Until they really describe what's going to be involved in this open world... I'm not really going to buy it as something that's going to sell me on the game until you know that there's going to be like random events and quests that you can go on, you know, whether you can explore and find stuff. If it's just literally just going to be a bigger version of the 3D like N64 games where you have to travel constantly back and forth, I don't care. You have to give me some sort of uh, unique sort of experience that I have not seen in in a previous three D Zelda game, or otherwise, yeah, it's just window. It's just fancy, really fancy window dressing, but window dressing nonetheless. So yeah, I want to be able to to really feel like I can go at my own pace, and not just okay, we're going to give you this huge open world, but now you go from point A to B. Back to point A, back to C, to D, and then it's like, well, okay. Now you know you're gonna to have to do that anyway, to some extent. Yes, but because w- some, but some randomness would be nice, or, and some, you know what I mean, to, to to even side quests that are somewhat randomized or something. I'm thinking more like an open world game, um, like like um, I guess like a Red Dead Redemption or you know. I
1: th- I think they're gonna do this and. The reason I think so is, is, one, in the video, and it's hard to tell, but, you know, you're going from phrasing through a translator, but they're looking at little artifacts, and they're setting waypoints, and they're like, oh, now, here's something over here that looks odd. Maybe we can go check that out and see what's going on around there. Or, oh, is this the entrance to, like, an old dungeon or something like that? They make it sound like these are things that you would explore like you would in a, an Elder Scrolls game and, and naturally find something around it. Um, yet my other reason is I, I think they, they they're going to go at least slightly towards something like that is um Dragon Quest 9 did incredibly well now i know Square Enix made Dragon Quest 9, but Nintendo published it. And one of the interesting things about Dragon Quest 9 was that there it was a traditional Japanese RPG with a set storyline, but there were random caves and things that you could find. Okay. You could find treasure maps. And these things kind of appeared randomly to give you questing. You could go off and do on your own. You could wander and find something random. And it was such a huge success for them that I think they might have taken something from it. So I do think we're going to see some, I mean, even in Skyrim, it's not. or or, like I said, Oblivion, one of those two, it's not a random thing, it's built in. But yes, I do think we're going to see places that we can explore in the New Zelda that aren't going to have anything to do with the main storyline. Other than to give you treasure, loot, um, I don't know if there's going to be an experience system, but they're they're going to give you some sort of respite from your, your basic
0: uh your basic quest. I would hope, because that would get me interested in it. Yeah, it would get me interested in it too, because yeah.
1: I'm 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 otherwise not, as I've said before, I don't hate Zelda games, but they've just never been my thing. This would make me way more interested in a Zelda game. Speaking of interesting, like my segues are great. Um Street <laughs> Fighter V uh, was announced and it a pretty big bombshell. Um it was it's exclusive to ps4 on the console. It's also going to be on the pc. Street Fighter 5. Uh, Street Fighter 5. Yeah, sorry. Um and the reason it's going to be this way is when this news dropped everyone just assumed it was a timed exclusive. You know, Xbox One fans are like, well we'll wait and see. But it came out that Sony has actually put a good deal of money into the development of Street Fighter 5. And that's what's gained it its exclusivity. And this, to me, begs the question, a lot of people seem to think, well, okay, they just meant Street Fighter 5, but Super, Turbo, etc. could not be. If Sony is putting money into the groundwork, that leads me to believe that, potentially, this entire game is going to be... This, you know, 5 and all of its upgrades are going to be PS4 only. And, well, according
0: to this article, also PC. PC, right.
1: Um, and what I think is interesting about this in the fighting game community and I think the impact this might have is um, if someone came out and said that Street Fighter V was going to be on all platforms, but say something like King of Fighters was going to be a PS4 exclusive, okay, that might matter to someone like me who really likes King of Fighters Mm -hmm. right? But it seems like everyone in the fighting game community and I'm not, someone's going to get all fucking mouthy about this I'm not speaking for the fighting game community but I feel like that's the central game, right? That's the one that everyone goes back to. Some people like might, might like Marvel vs. Capcom 3 more. Some people might like King of Fighters f- more. Some people might like... Guilty Gear more, but everyone goes back to Street Fighter. I feel like the fact that Street Fighter Five is only on the PlayStation 4 is is because of that a very big deal. I think that's going to move units to people
0: who play well, this is fighting deal. games. This yeah. is a huge deal. This is a big blow to Microsoft, obviously. Yeah. It's a huge blow.
1: And it's, like I said, it's because this is the game everyone goes back to. So,
0: this either means to me that... This can mean a couple of things. For one, it means that Capcom is in some sort of trouble, that they need this money. Well, yes. We we talked about that before about the chance of them going bankrupt and and their shareholders being really pissed. We talked about that like six, seven months ago. Yeah. The the fact that a huge heralded franchise that goes back literally 25 years now needs money to put out their next game, that is so strange. So strange. This isn't a small company. This is Capcom, one of the major AAA. You know, sort of publishers. That uh, this is a head scratcher. When you told me this at first, I was like, "That doesn't make any sense." It doesn't, well, but it does. It, it does
1: from a financial standpoint. And I mean, when you look at other stuff that's coming up on their horizons, like Revela- uh, Resident Evil Revelations Two, um, and like the Resident Evil uh, remake remake. You know, I mean, that's a remake of a remake. Revelations Two is probably going to reuse a lot of assets. I mean. You know everything else they're doing is. See- I mean, they they don't they don't have a lot of money or production power right now.
0: Is this a play to get Sony to invest in them maybe more? I and mean, maybe I'm not talking about business stuff, but maybe be almost like a you know uh, sort of a, a minor stake shareholder, and maybe eventually they want to turn all Capcom PS PlayStation exclusive. Is this I maybe mean, a first play at that? It I could it could be an interesting go. I don't know. I felt that was. Potentially, the
1: case, but you have to, i mean we've talked about this before Sony doesn't have a lot of money either i don't i mean i don't know that Sony is necessarily going to be Capcom's Sugar Daddy. I just think that they saw an opportunity to get a very big game exclusive to their system. They're like, "We will buy this money, yeah, we will buy this game from you with the, with this money mm-hmm. um Someone actually you know ties in a little bit to q a they're like, you know um what do you think about the the Street Fighter Five exclusivity?" And why is it suddenly okay for a company to um, buy out, uh, you know, to, to, to buy exclusivity? I don't think it's okay to buy exclusivity, but if the game's not going to get made unless someone throws money at them, then really, who throws money at them is going to get the game. That, I mean, that just makes sense to me.
0: But, I mean, let's be honest here, though. They put out, what, a new Street Fighter Four game in the past four or five years, ultra, ultra, super edition. I mean, they put out at least three or four different ones, right? Uh, Yeah. So it's not that hard for them to put in those minor upgrades. It's not costing Capcom much or anything. Plus when you put in all the DLC that they're charging for freaking palette swaps or whatever, 2.99, they're making some money off this franchise. Do you believe Street Fighter 5 has a brand new engine yes. from scratch? I do. Okay. I good. don't think I mean every but, every numbered Street Fighter has. So if that's the case and if you think they're that hard up for money then the <laughs> <I> <laughs> This could be the beginning of the end then for for Capcom being a, a cross cross platform uh, you know company. Yeah. Well, I also would quickly say that I don't think it's necessarily okay for a company to buy the
1: exclusivity. I don't really think that's what's going on here. But um, in the case of the PS4 and the Xbox One, it goes back to fanboys and console wars. Xbox One is currently viewed as the bad guy. I don't think anyone's sad. You know to see you know some sort of you know something befall the xbox one, I think it's better for both platforms to have the games. I think it's better for you know people to have the choice um but
0: in terms of why are people cheering for it uh, I wouldn't cheer this at all I mean you always you always want games to be available yeah, as many well, platforms as possible yeah.
1: um oh the other thing is that people have said is the reason why it didn't go to Microsoft is uh. Um, it's it's pretty important to note that the Street Fighter V is going to be cross play
0: between PS4 and PC. I'll believe it when I see that. No, they've already they've already announced it as official. But you've you've had announced like this in the past where it cross platform never happened. So I just, I want to see this. To uh,
1: I don't know that we have. Um, but the the fact that Microsoft has always been very very. Um, for whatever reason anti-crossplay play it seems between their consoles and uh, pcs um if 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 microsoft maybe capcom went to microsoft i mean they did get dead rising three exclusively if microsoft balked what? at that idea i mean i mean capcom would... wants a global platform. i mean capcom wants the most global what? platform to play the game on
0: why would they push that if if sony put in all this money for people to play it on PS4, why would they push for that to be cross-platform? That would only hurt their sales in some capacity. Is because they realize that most people don't play fighting games on, on computer? Is that why? I think so, but I also think
1: because the extra sales for the bigger fan base, it's not a directly competing fan base like it is I, with the Xbox One.
0: Unless they're getting a small percentage of it, sales no matter what, because they're putting money into investing. Which yeah. they
1: probably are. And I think it's better, they, they would rather go go to any number of you know a, a, but like I said, the PC is not a direct competitor of the PS4. I guess is all I'm trying okay. to say there. Like
0: I said again, I'll be I'll be uh, I, I've seen console PC cross platform promise before. On what games? I don't
1: I mean I, I've heard I've I've heard everyone ask for it, but I've never seen it promised.
0: Well, pro- I've, I've heard rumors. I've seen it announced. I'm, I'm going back to like the, even the PS2 they were thinking about doing it on stuff. I don't off the top of my head. I do know, but first person shooters they always try to say yeah we can do that, and they never do it. It's always too complicated. It, but we'll see. Maybe they finally figure it out. I guess if it's the same exact coding. You know, they can do that and, well, and work, the, work the servers together. We've also got know. a system that is internally much
1: more a PC than, well, than, sure. than, than ever before. So. And ever since the Xbox, they're turning into computers. So. Anyway, I mean, but yeah, I think that's definitely a, a big thing for Sony. Big loss for Microsoft. Um, so, the Amiibos came out and if you don't know what an Amiibo is, if you haven't somehow seen what an Amiibo is or, or, or gotten read one of the articles nintendo is now in what they i believe they call uh near what is it nfc near wi-fi connection or something like that market for toys um, it's the same thing that is used in uh the skylanders toys and in the disney infinity toys and near field communication thank you what nfc stands for near field communication And what these are, um, they are a series of toys based on Nintendo property characters. Uh, They're doing, uh, I believe, 49 of them in three or four waves. All of the Smash Bros. characters will be represented. Um, The characters themselves, uh, I like the figures. Uh, What they do with the game is fairly minimal, but fun. Um, You can uh, tap them on your controller And you can train them up to level 50. Once they're at level 50, you can keep feeding them certain items and armors to increase their stats. And basically, you can create these really, really um, difficult computer opponents to fight against. For instance, uh, my buddy and I had a very tough time defeating my level 50 Kirby the other night when we were playing two against one. Um, But as with anything like these figurines, um, some are more popular, some are less popular... And there's always questions
0: about scarcity and are they ever going to become collectible? Sure, and in, in, in any this is a, a toy. This is a figure. It's a figure, right. at least. And in, in any batches of figures that are made, they're never made in the same quantity per you know per run. Usually, in a case of figures, usually a few that get less produced. So there was a scare the other day because a supplier sa-
1: basically it, all of this started on rumor and speculation. A supplier said that the three scarcest, Marth, uh, villager from Animal Crossing. And uh, um, we fit trainer uh, were being discontinued. Um, that was based on uh, interactions between uh, this supplier and Nintendo, but there was nothing to back it up. What followed was a letter from a uh, well-known Nintendo representative uh, that said that no, they had not discontinued anything. Um, as you know, some are going to be more popular than others. It's the holiday season. Uh, you know they were going to try to get things back in stock as as soon as they could, mm-hmm. but then Nintendo came out and let us left us with this piece of information, which unfortunately, to me, doesn't sound very positive. I think well, Pat has a different take on this. This is from Games Radar. No, this is the Nintendo Life one. Okay, and the direct quote is. We, from Nintendo is we will aim for certain amiibo to always be available these will be for our most popular characters like Mario and Link due to shelf space constraints other figures likely will not return to the market once they have sold through their initial shipment. That to me sounds an awful lot like Wii Fit Trainer, Villager and Marth aren't coming back
0: well, and what date was this posted? this article?
1: was that from the 8th? Well, that was from the eighties, but that's a direct line from Nintendo.
0: Okay, this is a Games Radar reporting this from today. Um, this this says the official word from Nintendo of America. Uh, again, this is Games Radar reporting this. Um, some Ami- Some Amiibo were, which I guess is a plural of Amiibo. Amiibo. Some Amiibo were very popular at launch, and it is possible that some Amiibo in the United States, Canada, and Latin America may not be available right now due to high demand in our efforts to manage shelf space during the launch period. Certain sold-out amiibo may return to these markets at a later stage. We are continually aiming to always have a regular supply of amiibo in the marketplace, and there are many waves of amiibo to come. So they're they're not saying it's discontinued. What they're saying is, yeah, we can cut up the supply right now because we have more to come out. But who knows? We can always put them back on the shelf. I still think that just sounds like a nicer way of what I already
1: a nicer phrasing of what I already said. And it, and, it, and really, what it comes down to is you just have to think. Retail and shelf space. They have sure. 49 of these things coming out. Overall. Now, sure. o- overall. And, and you know, Toys R Us is, sh- I mean, section for Amiibo, just for the first wave, was huge. I mean, there isn't going to be any way that they can
0: possibly keep all of these well, in production. Okay. I- I'm going to have to go, go upon, my not my vast knowledge, but decent knowledge of toy production. Um, going back to even, let's just say, G.I. Joe's. When G.I. Joe put out a line of new figures, every year there were roughly 20 to 25 new figures every year that they were put out. The previous year's figures were always produced, I believe, for two years. So you, so the figures that came out in 82, you could get up to, I think, 84. Then they'd be discontinued. So I'm not sure exactly how it works. I wasn't alive then. Uh, but, of course, you'd have most of the newest ones would be available with the newest line. Uh, then, but of course, there probably, I guess, a smaller batch of the of the previous figures still available. They they'd reproduce because people would still want those. So that's just smart business. You see the newer figures, you see the new uh, older ones, and maybe you want a couple of the older ones. I I if Nintendo were complete idiots, yes, they would stop making Villager and and, and uh, the other two that are hard to find. But why wouldn't they continue to put out a very small quantity, at least giving people the hopes that they can get them, and not having to spend tons of money, uh, you know, on the aftermarket ones? Because if you still,
1: because it's still shelf space, it doesn't matter if you include two in a shipment. You still need a spot for them to go. Right. I mean, the only the only real answer to this is an online store, a Nintendo online store, where well, you can order these directly.
0: Oh, that's an answer. And again, that's why to me, I think it's I think I think these discontinued. Uh, rumors are played up by whatever these websites are getting, first of all, a lot of these websites got this information early and just ran with it, not not really, really realizing what this means. Because to discontinue means, to me, discontinue means it's done forever, that's it, with no chance of coming back, which I think is not going to happen here. And, and that only f- fuels all the eBay listings you see where it says, discontinued rare villager, give me $200 for it. And no one wins except that you know reseller that is going out to all the targets and all the Game Stops and buying as many as it can and it fuels it and it's just bad so I'm not going to blame Nintendo here again there's, there's shell space issues and yeah uh, most people are going to go out to the store I went out to the target there was one link left uh, there was probably a decent amount of links I guess and there was a lot of Mario's uh, left they're probably the most well produced ones he's the franchise sort of icon. You had uh you you had like one or two or three or four Yoshi's a few Donkey Kongs. I, I can't picture them making a lot of Donkey Kongs. He's not a hugely popular character anymore, you know. And so yeah, they have to manage shelf space, but that doesn't mean they can't have limited numbers. Uh, whenever uh the original Ninja Turtles uh, toys came out, April O'Neil was hard to find because who would want an April? What little boy want to play with well, an April O'Neil figure? That's probably what they thought, uh you know, playmates. And so it was so hard to find. There was only one or two per. You know, ship into a store. But they reproduced them later, and they came out with a, a version too. The original run of Power of the Force, Star Wars figures, when they re-released them, what was it, 95? Um, Princess Leia was hard to find, and so she went for more money. But you know what? A year later, you could find her. They released another version of her. She was out there, so you could get it. So I don't think that this means the end of these characters. I just don't. I just think that, you know, what? So they can put one or two... If Nintendo's producing these it's not going to cost them any more to romp that machine and produce these little pieces of plastic that don't cost them much to produce.
1: I don't know. We fit Villager, Marth... I like Wii Fit. I actually have the Wii Fit uh, trainer. I, I want a villager. I don't care about the Marth. But I'm sorry, uh, Wave 2 is due out, I believe, in a couple of weeks. And I'm sorry, I'm just looking at this line from Nintendo. Other figures will likely not return to the market once they have sold through their initial shipment, which to me would be their Wave 1 shipment.
0: I it don't w- see these coming okay. back. You think they're not going to make any more after all the waves are out? You think once they sell, they're just going to let that space not be sold? They think there's demand?
1: I think there's going to be. You think Nintendo's stupid? I I think that shelf space wise, there's going to be, out of 49 characters, I think there's going to be a big enough best of list that, yes, a lot of these are never going to come back.
0: So you think Nintendo will be that short sighted not to know that people are chasing after these? Because Nintendo's never been short sighted before? (laughs) Not saying that, but they're going to see these printing money, and they probably are printing money. They charge, what are these, 12 bucks each? Uh, anywhere from twelve ninety nine to thirty. It probably $19. costs them a buck fifty each to produce these things in bulk. I, mean, I, I, I would you know. love
1: for what you're saying to be true, but I just, I guess, in this instance, no, I don't have the faith of Nintendo to do that, and okay. I, I don't see them coming back.
0: Well to make a general's bet that after all these waves are released over the next six months. That they're going to produce more of these, and then there's nothing to stop them from easily throwing in a couple of the lesser desirable ones per case. Okay, we'll throw in a couple of villagers here just to mix it up. I don't. It's not going to cost them. It's not going to cost them shelf space to put two or three. Say say after all these forty nine comes out, say there's like ten to twelve that are uh, tough tough to find. Fair enough, something like that. Say three or four per wave. After that, what's it keep saying? Okay, we'll throw a few of these in per per box of per box of. I don't know. I'm trying to think of what toys shipments. Back in the day, what they came in—I think there were cartons, a starting line of figures. Where was there twelve to twenty of them, something like that? Uh, you know, I think this is all going to
1: depend on how popular the functionality of the sure. amiibo is later on, and how popular—if the popularity of it wanes down or not. I just—I do think that yes, there are some that we're not going to see, and I do think that if there is one that you want and you see it for a reasonable price, you should probably grab it. And well, by like a reasonable the- price, I mean retail to a little bit more. I'm not saying spend thirty
0: well, to like sixty or like you said if Nintendo puts them for sale on their store I don't I think, see why they wouldn't do that it again maybe it's printing money to me that's the easy that's the easy solution to this yeah what's it doesn't cost them anything to do it. if they if they they do a run of like say say they do a run of i don't know per, per these tough characters they do a run of i don't know 300 each or something just to just to test the waters right. they could they know they can probably move those overall it's not going to cost them that much to make that and then they see them all sell out and you know, in in a, in a couple of days, what do you think they're going to do? Not make more? They're going to make more. They're going to figure it out at some point. I, I have faith that we said this back in the back when we, they first announced this. This is how Nintendo uh, is going to make their money back in a large chunk. Uh, you know, because the Wii U they're not making that much money on each console. I'm not sure if they are. I think they're about breaking even uh, per console sold. This is their peripheral that's going to make them a bank, right? If it's successful. And this is only the first game that they're doing this with.
1: Well, no, um, it unlocks costumes for Mario Kart.
0: Uh, it will. Or, well, I mean, like this load. is the first line for this, for, sh- really, for Smash. Sh- sure. After this, maybe there'll be one for the Zelda Wii U game. Maybe there'll be, you know, what I mean. They can start thinking about other, you know, what but I mean. They it, can... it
1: unlocks what they unlock weapons for uh, Hyrule Warriors too. Well,
0: I'm saying is uh, this is not going to be the last line that come out just for you know, based upon Smash there probably be there could be well more no later. but smash is a great starting point because there's so many characters, so many characters sure. to start with so uh it was interesting south park which by the way has been having an excellent season because this is the first time they've actually had continuity episode to episode for the most part and right. it's actually worked out very very uh v- very humorously especially with uh, uh randy's character uh being the lord, lord the singer How did i say it? lord just I, don't really, know, I haven't watched any Lord, of this Lord, season, Lord, including this Lord. episode.
1: But, I mean, I do like Randy general as, yeah, general so, as a character. Yeah, so
0: basically the running game season, he's been the singer Lord. Like, oh, okay. It's been him. And so it's they've used it to good effect in many episodes. And They've even been referencing past little things like, like Butters got suspended in one episode. They actually referenced it the next episode. They've never really done that before in South right. Park. They've usually been very self-contained, yeah. not really going back. And now they've been doing it, and it's actually worked out. You, this is the advantage of them having uh, usually split seven episodes every six months. This is ten. once a year they've been doing the past year Mm -hmm. so I think they've had a better chance to plan these out and it's been better results because of that. Um, So PewDiePie PewDiePie, the number one YouTuber, like 30 million subscribers, does does, uh, quote unquote humorous let's plays Uh, he appeared in the last South Park episode uh, and it was basically a commentary on how it was. It wasn't an attack. It was almost like neutral. Trey, uh, Matt and Trey didn't really attack the phenomenon of less plays. They were more neutral on understanding that younger generation and to, to younger in South Park are like the kindergarten first graders versus Stan and Kyle. And, and Cartman and Kenny who are uh fourth graders. So that's right. that's their differenti- differentiation there. Cuz I did um, hear that I like one of the main things
1: was Ike was uh I believe Ike focal was, oh, in yeah. this episode and he wanted he, he for whatever reason he enjoyed watching watching people play games more so than he did actually yeah. playing the game.
0: That that was one of the messages how Stan and Kyle couldn't believe that <laughs> you, why would you not want to play a video game versus watching others play a that's video game. That's my
1: problem with them.
0: Um So they touched on, it was almost like Stan and Kyle were were looked at from the kindergarten first graders as old men. They were like talked down to like you are almost like the elderly not understanding this is how we get entertainment. So it was interesting because, again, they weren't attacking PewDiePie. It was was, uh, South Park saying that we understand there's this generational thing going on. This is a new entertainment sort of uh, medium for these younger people. We may think it's dumb, but they think it's cool. And that's where they basically left it, which is fair enough. Because if we don't understand the appeal of it, it's a huge phenomenon maybe to younger people. It makes it sound old, but that's, that's really what it comes down to. right? Which, which uh, There's not much more to say about that besides in the episode Cartman was trying to be his own PewDiePie character. And actually right now is the episode part two, which is the, the season finale. So if you watch this on YouTube, we're recording this on Wednesday, December 10th. So that's why it's new to new to you, but it's old to everyone else. So it'd be interesting to see what direction they take that with Cartman being put in a position of power and getting popular uh, on on YouTube. But to him, he's actually commenting on watching, basically going around with like almost like a GoPro just rec- or on this phone recording people talking about how dumb PewDiePie and Let's Plays is, and it's Cartman commenting on that, commentating? So it's almost like a meta thing. So it's 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 cool. It's cute. But this leads me into, into the YouTube Rewind, which I think is only gonna, been going on the past couple of years, where it's, it's a heavily pro, uh, well-produced and funded YouTube venture, which is Google, uh, to sort of throw all their bigger channels into the mix into like a three-four minute video and sort of work into the work the memes of the year into like a right, like a, I remember a, okay, like a uh, funny yes. sort of like, quick way, almost like a music video, mm-hmm. working in all the bigger channels. Uh, my pal Kevin Lieber, who runs Vsauce 2, he appears in it uh, for a couple seconds. PewDiePie is in there. And it's, honestly, I didn't recognize 95% of them, but they're all huge YouTubers. I think Smosh was in there, the Fine Brothers we discussed. Which leads me into to, to this sort of point about this YouTube Rewind, how there is already a generational gap bec- uh, between, uh, quote-unquote, the big YouTube stars and everyone else, because it jumps from... You know, these big YouTube stars are mostly, I'll say their average age is early 20s, maybe mid-20s. It jumps from them to Stephen Colbert and uh, Conan O'Brien. And these are not YouTube stars. They're on YouTube, but they just use YouTube to get their medium out. So you have a gap between these these huge guys, these are huge TV stars with talk shows in their late 40s going into 50s, and early 20s. And there's like this weird sort of like in between part where, like, if you look at YouTube, at least the big stars, there's no one like late 20s going to 30s, into 40s, into 50s and on. It's not, doesn't exist there. Now, of course, YouTube is only as a sort of practical new media venue, I want to say four to five years old in terms of it being established as. You know, superstardom, maybe even only three, three and a half years. Sure, it's just an interesting. I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but it's very interesting to see that that's how it's playing playing out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like we're we're old for YouTube to be YouTube stars. You know, we were (laughs) just an acknowledgement. That's just how it's it's looking at 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 this point. Can I introduce the next topic because it bothers me? Okay,
1: all right. Um, I, I, um. Actually, I'm skipping a topic, but I'm just jumping to this one because, god damn it. So, Target Australia pulls GTA fives from store shelves. And uh, Kmart down there follows. And the reason it got pulled from store shelves is because of a petition that... Online petition? Uh, an online petition over its depiction of violence against women. Um, and that's... I don't like violence against women at all. I hate it. I self-identify as a feminist, which, uh, with a lot of the listeners, gets me tons and tons of shit. And I'll always self-identify as that. Uh, My problem with this is... um, Since when has Grand Theft Auto ever been a game about just beating women? Grand Theft Auto has always been a game about... it's, It's an equal opportunity game of destruction. It's not just... Yes, you can focus on the fact that you can light a prostitute on fire. You can also pro- focus on the fact that you can kill an old person in a hospital. Or, I mean, you can do you can run over pedestrians. You can murder policemen. Yeah, it's a policeman murderer. It's a it's a it's it's, it's granny side. It's I mean, it's it's whatever the hell you you, you want it to be. So I just find it, I, I I this this is stuff that really bothers me because it pulls away from actual important topics about um, depictions of women in video games. When you go out and you target something like Grand Theft Auto 5, which is... and Now granted, I haven't played Grand Theft Auto 5. Maybe it's stacked more to one side or the other, but if it's Grand Theft Auto in any way that I know Grand Theft Auto, uh, you can kill, beat up and fuck over whoever you want in this game. And all you're... Like I said, all you're doing, in my opinion, is hurting better you you're you're taking the fight out of better fights by by by
0: focusing your attention on something like grand theft auto 5 sure we can go into a lot of different directions of this this i'll just read some of the um so this is what the the petition said part of it so uh uh, GTA 5 is a game that encourages players to murder women for entertainment. The incentive is to commit sexual violence against women. Then abuse or kill them to proceed or get health points. And now Target are stalking it and promoting it for your Christmas stocking. The petition from Nicole, Claire, and Kat begins. Um, the, 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 the misogynistic GTA 5 literally makes a game of bashing, killing, and and horrific violence against women, we have first-hand experience of this kind of sexual violence It haunts us who have been trying to rebuild our lives ever since. Just knowing that women are being portrayed as deserving to be sexually used by men, potentially murdered for sport and pleasure, to see this violence that we lived through turned into a form of entertainment is sickening, causes great pain and harm, it adds. As a result, Target has pulled the game. The company's corporate affairs manager has added, however, that will continue to sell other R18 Plus rated games and, and films. Uh, and they said, Target, those fucking weasels. Uh, while other R18 Plus rated products often contain imagery that some customers find offensive, in the vast majority of cases, we believe that we believe they are appropriate products for us to sell to adult customers. However, in the case of GTA 5 we've listened to the strong feedback from customers that it is not a product they want us to sell. I can go into many directions with this. Let's start w- w- with this. And I wanted to tweet this out, is that if Target, of course... First of all, let's, let's say this is, this is not censorship. A store has the right to sell whatever they want. But I will call them fucking weasels, because if they had any integrity at all, they would have gone back then and pulled all the movies and books and CDs that have imagery or lyrics or words that depict sexual violence or violence towards women. If you're going to do it for one video game, do it for the rest of your video games, do it for your books, do it to your, your music CDs. Do it to everything then. And I wouldn't have a problem with it as much. You want to make a, a stance I think is incorrect? You can do that, but then actually follow through with your intent. Don't just make a change over one individual game because of an online petition. That, to me, is just uh, a company not having any balls to say, you know what, they could have just come out and said, we respect your opinion, but we're going to sell what we sell because we're selling to it. Ad- we're selling to adults. We're selling a product that's perfectly legal and plus we're selling a product that explicitly says it's for 18 year olds and children are not allowed to buy in our stores. If they said that these people would have yelled them bitch for uh, a week or so but then they would have went away. Doing anything like this gives power to those that should not have power to dictate this. And so what this can happen now is it will give this group a power to do this for something else. And then another game. And another game. And you can say that Oh, again, this isn't censorship. No, but what they are trying to do, though, is sort of tilt the marketplace. Because now, what what if this happens to five or six other AAA games that Target doesn't put them in their store, and then maybe GameStop follows suits, Even if it's in one one uh, country or two countries or Europe, do, the AAA publishers will take notice. It might say this might not be worth our trouble to then have a game with these elements if there might be a, a, a backlash or stores won't be willing to put it on shelves. And then at that point, then that becomes a sort of infringement on the creativity of this publisher. When in the end, it should be the marketplace that decides if a game sells or not. Or any entertainment medium for that fashion. If you do not like... A video game that is your right. It is your right not to like the content of a video game or a movie. Then you vote with your wallet and don't buy it, don't promote it. That is how these things should be handled, because we are adults.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't know where the 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 people who started the petition were coming from, and that's awful, obviously. And then I didn't know that. Uh, it, it, it's awful if you if you if, if it, but
0: it's just then I, but, I, I, but you know what. There's games coming out with with war every year, and we have soldiers coming back with with I, horrible PTSD. I get it. I know and anyone that, can have a problem with anything. But, that,
1: but that's where I'm going is there's there's so much more that has these issues that targeting you, you you need to if if this is what's problematic to you, targeting one game isn't going to fucking do anything. You need to target the mindset of people and see if this is actually something that they want, and if they don't, like you said, get them to vote with their wallet. You can't just go after one game. I don't know. I don't play GTA V. Why? Because I don't like... I I generally don't like hyper-violent games like that. I don't play GTA V or Grand Theft Auto games for the exact reasons that people are talking about, and I am therefore voting with my wallet. It is not something that I want, but uh, like I said, I just... My, my bigger issue with it before I read into it and I knew where the, the petition came from, I just think it's ridiculous because that's... Well, it, first of
0: it, all, it's it, totally wrong where they're coming from, too, because, again, you can kill anyone but in the
1: Well, that's... that's you, yeah. you, you took it right out of my mouth. That's what I'm trying to say. It's It's not encouraging violence against women. It's encouraging violence against anyone and everyone in the game. I mean, people buy the game to play the storyline, but most people buy the game to... Put on all the cheat codes and create a pile up and see how many cops, citizens, women, men, yeah. and women both you know they, they can take down before they get killed in a, yeah. in a, in a blazing gunfight. I uh, mean, the, the whole game is fucking horrible. Yeah, if you're going to attack the game, attack the whole game for being awful because it, it, it's it, it's not. It's not as it, it, if it was the sexual abuse simulator, my my, my my reaction here would be a lot different, but it's not. This is an equal opportunity game that lets you do horrible yeah. things to all yes. genders, almost all ages uh, across the board. Whatever yeah. you want to do, you can do it. So to focus on one thing like I said, it's it's spending effort on on I think a valid. Fight that needs to be taken, but you you need to fight that differently. You can't fight it by targeting a copy of Grand Theft Auto Five in a target.
0: Well, well, I, well, that we get another issue about is it valid to attack an entertainment medium because of an issue depicted in it? That's a whole other issue. But what I'll say is this: is that you're absolutely right about it's equal opportunity. You know, I haven't seen police associations come out against these games because you're killing cops as much as you want. You know, I mean, that that could be an issue that could be talked about, and they're not doing that. So. I just think I just think that people have to live their lives, and th- there are horrible things that happen to people, of course. But there's entertainment that happens, and there's been violence against all groups uh, in every entertainment medium going back a hundred years, um, going back to the advent of, uh, of, uh, of moving pictures. You know, the, the what they used to call them. You know, then the talkies, <laughs> they had it sound, and so you just have to. Again, vote with your wallet. That's it. Uh people people don't want like to complain about dictating what goes on in other people's bedrooms. They shouldn't don't dictate what I can play in my living room. You have no right to do that at all. So,
1: there's a 20th anniversary PlayStation 4. I believe it was different uh, among the regions and it was uh what like $500, I believe. 5 or 6? Retail. I think, I think it was 5 retail and it's gray looks like the original PlayStation it was pretty cool um but they were hyper limited and now they're going for what how many how much what are, what are they currently going for an insane amount Two of money 2 grand
0: they're trying to go for on eBay Really that's insane and there's been 12 i think that what 12.3k of these produced so over 12,000 of these <laughs> your eyes just why over 12,000 i believe is the production run of these uh 20th anniversary well 20th anniversary of the PlayStation 1 PS4's yeah yeah <laughs> I guess they, they, couldn't put out, they couldn't put out 20th anniversary of the PS1s so no one would buy them. Actually, I'd buy one, but... Anyway, so it's interesting. What's interesting about this? The fact that they've jumped up in value so much, the fact that people don't realize that 12000 is a lot of, of a production run for the value to get bumped up that much? Yeah, I is think... Is it people just being impatient again? Like, every week we're talking about this, people just being impatient buying these things when there's more on the way, you know? Yeah, as, as a as a record collector, I always pay attention when a
1: record is coming out in a sort of limited form, or if it's a um, re-release. They'll usually tell you how many units are getting pressed. And, since record collecting is pretty niche, if it's it's more than 3K, I know that I can probably get one. If it's more than, if it's 5K, I know I can definitely get one. Um, 12,000 of these is not a shitload, but I don't believe it's enough to really bump the price up to two grand.
0: Sure, and this is not something that um, could be taken advantage of easily, at least uh, by scalpers, because five or six hundred each is a lot of capital to put into some of this, and it's a much bigger risk than even say when the Wii came out and that was you know two hundred bucks. You know what I mean? This is a lot more difficult to say. All right, I want to try to get all the ones I can. First of all, it's a much limited more supply, but now I got to invest like four grand to get eight of these. You know, that's a lot different than saying I'm gonna invest eight hundred, you know what I mean, to get four Wii's when they came out back in like two thousand you know and six. Well, I can't do my mouth right, sixteen hundred. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> that's a I mean that's a for scalpers to be doing that, that's a pretty big risk.
1: Um and I guess right now it's paying off, but I just I don't know. It's not like five hundred or a thousand. I mean twelve point three K is
0: yeah, there's a lot on eBay right now. There's a ton on eBay. It's almost like everyone that, that has bought one is just to flip it. <laughs> you know? There's a lot on eBay. It's not like there's 20 on eBay right now. I'm easily looking. There are at least four pages of them. So that means and, and there's at least 200 on and eBay. And that's
1: kind of when you know that your attempt to buy and flip has maybe gone south is when you suddenly start seeing a ton of them up on on eBay. Now, if in four months there's only a couple here and there, then they might start going for more. But, I, um, but this is probably one of those items
0: that's always flipped no one's no one how many people are going to buy the ps420 uh, anniversary just to play it honestly my coworker almost did he already had one though but literally he was
1: hovering over the the button and i'm like dude how much was, was he willing to pay no he was he had a chance to get one like of retail at, price yeah i oh, think, I, think he had to, I don't know how you got them i think you had to order them directly from sony uh, yeah. I, I actually don't know, but he was he said he was ready to click and it was 500 and i said that's stupid He's like, well, it looked cool. I'm like, yeah, but you already have a PS4. You don't need one. Well, were these available? You said they were just direct. I don't know. I'm am I'm, I'm guessing, I, or, or at least some were available online because he made it, he was talking about how he was going to buy one on the internet.
0: Well, they do look cool. They're silver. You know, they're a little bit thicker.
1: Yeah, but, you know, I mean, you look at your system once in a while, the play, the free PlayStation I, 1 theme that plays the startup every time you go back to the menu bar is way cooler. It does. It plays the original PlayStation startup every time you go back to the menu. It's pretty neat. Um, but, yeah, I just... I, it's interesting to see
0: these... I don't know. It's like everyone wants everything to be fucking collectible these days. Well, it, we, we saw this with the, with the, uh, the Zelda Hyper Warriors limited edition in New York. Uh, we're see, we're talking about this every week now that how people are turning these things into collectibles, even with the they are trying to turn the the harder five ones into collectibles I just anything that's new can be made in more quantity that's why I want to stress that anything new can be made in more quantity whenever they want, even if they say it's limited they can come out with more I still okay. don't necessarily think they will i I know they can
1: but i do I don't agree with you that they will i mean i how how often have we really actually seen that um I just also, I, but I, but I, at the same point in time, I just don't think that everything's
0: a collectible. Well, well no, that's the other thing. It, well, obviously, that's up to the person buying it. If you think this is a collectible, it's it's, it's, it, it's, it's a it, varied system that you want, so it's it, collectible to you. Sure.
1: If it's collectible to you, right, but I, I just mean in, in the true sense of rarity
0: with worth. Um, well, no. I, none I, of it's, this. It's insane to think that. Twelve thousand three hundred or something produced would be worth two thousand dollars each. That makes no sense no. economically at all versus the amount of people that actually would be willing to pay that. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, this would be another one of the sort of thing where you where where you said before, like the et carts, that wait until the, the fervor dies down and then see where it falls. Then maybe you can buy one at a more reasonable. Well, let's price. see.
1: You you do the math on this because I'm bad. There was a limited record that was pressed oh, in ten thousand. Ten thousand. Okay. It was forty bucks. Forty bucks. It regularly goes for seventy to a hundred now, so let's just call it
0: eighty-five. I clicked on my clock by accident. Okay. What kind of markup is that? That's a one hundred percent. Forty to eighty is a hundred percent markup. Okay, so then what's the markup on these? This would be uh, times four. That'd be four hundred percent. If it's two thousand.
1: Okay, so yeah, double the markup on it for the. I mean, compared to something like a record. So maybe
0: we can see drop down to a thousand mm-hmm. if yes. you really want at sure. that point. So you don't want one of should I get one? They're neat. Should, should I trade in my... Uh, my Danny Sullivan's into Heat? No. I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say my uh, Don Con Jr. math. I was going to say that. Fuck off.
1: <laughs> um, why don't you talk about this Terminator Genesis trailer I
0: know nothing about and give zero shits about? <laughs> Thanks for making it interesting for our audience. Um, <laughs> this was a movie that was interesting just because I totally forgot they were making it. And sometimes... Not it's not usual. Doesn't usually happen in that huge blockbuster movies you totally forget they're making them. Then you see the trailer come out. you're right. like, Wow, that came out of nowhere. But um, what Terminator Salvation came out like three years ago to mixed reviews. It had Sam Worthington in it, who to, to me is the most blandest action star alive, and Christian Bale, who got more famous for yelling at the lights guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, Oh, he was like, he was, he was like, cut the fuck off the set, you idiot! Yeah. Like, it was hysterical. <laughs> it showed how insane Christian Bale was. Uh, yeah, he went on like, like a ten-minute rant about the, the lighting guy.
1: That's all I know about that movie. He was actually. like,
0: "Oh, you're a nice guy. We're fucking done professionally." That's basically like, <laughs> what he was saying to this guy. This poor lighting guy got in the way of a shot. Anyway, so Terminator Salvation comes out, which basically takes place after the nukes get set off in Terminator Land, where the nukes Skynet decides that humans are the threat, which we always are. Kills all of us, but it's right before you know the T eight hundred skeleton monster machines come out to try to eliminate all. It's like that weird in between period. There's big, huge uh, robots are being that are being created by Skynet to, to kill us, but we don't see the T eight hundred endoskeletons yet. This movie skips past you know Christian Bale extent, and now we're at the point where it's the future I was gonna war. Say, this is supposed to be the future now war, Now we're at right? the officially, the future war that you see at the beginning of the first Terminator movie, and then Terminator 2, the flashbacks, the point where they send back the Terminators. Maybe. This is what we wanted to see. I never saw all of Terminator Salvation just because I didn't give a shit about that. Right. I wanted to see the, the laser guns that they have, and you have those huge, basically the T2 arcade game. We yeah. want to see that shit. This is what this movie is. You think. The trailer comes out, then... And then all of a sudden, it's a clusterfuck mix of Terminator 1 and 2, where everyone's sending back multiple Terminators back to the point of maybe after Terminator 1, but before Terminator 2, it seems they send back another Arnold, but maybe there's still the Arnold T-800 that existed still, who's older, they send back another T-1000 as a cop with liquid metal, And it looks like, to me, a remake of both Terminator 1 and 2 with tons of action, with set pieces that looked exactly the same as the first two movies, and the first thing I thought was I really have no inclination of seeing this movie at all. It looks like they, they rehashed the other two movies so much that it really became, this is the definition of an unnecessary sequel. Right. When you literally have the same plot elements from Terminator 1 and 2 the same villains from Terminator One and Two, and you have Arnold back in. And I love seeing Arnold back in movies. I like to see him back acting. He's iconic. It is uh, like I am coming all the time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I. Sure, but <laughs> that was his old quote. That's right when he's working out. When, when he's working muscles. out. Uh, the blood to the veins. Ah. Um, so again, go watch the trailer. And see that for some somehow also I guess it's we're still five or six months out of the movie, the T one thousand effects of liquid metal didn't look any better than nineteen ninety one somehow. But that's but that's that shows you guess how well I guess James Cameron was working on the effects back then. But not much more else to say about Terminator Genesis. It looks a lot more interesting than Terminator's whatever it was, Salvation, or whatever the fuck it was from a few years ago. I'm been even saying the name of it. Or was that, was that the TV show? I always forget there was a Terminator TV show for two years that I saw one episode of. There was
1: Terminator what, 3 as well. That was a great that, film.
0: That was actually not bad. Are really you enough. fucking
1: kidding me? That was, that was awful.
0: Not bad. But... Next, the next trailer we're going to be talking about real quick.
1: Are we really? I I don't, I
0: I, I don't even watch Bond. I didn't know there was a trailer for this. No, I was going to talk about that. I was going to skip around. But they announced a James Bond Spectre movie that I will see next year. I've enjoyed it a lot. I was going to talk about the Star Wars Force Awakens teaser trailer. It was released right after Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, that one was, was interesting. I mean, I don't know what more you can say about a teaser trailer, uh, what you can say about a teaser trailer. Um, it teased? It was a trailer? It teased. Uh, it was interesting to me that uh, there was a white female, a black man, and a le- Latino man in the trailer, but no white people. Where was there a Latino man? Uh, the X-Wing pilot.
0: Um I could even tell, but okay.
1: Yeah, it you know, just interesting to me. Um. it seems like they're going for a diverse cast. Uh, I thought the... there was no
0: females in the other st- Star Wars. No, movies.
1: but I'm just saying in the teaser trailer. I mean, these are the three characters they choose to focus on. What does that okay. say about story? Um, what does that say about potential main characters that aren't throwback characters? It's interesting to me. That's that's. I, I don't normally like to read into teaser trailers, but that's interesting to me. Well, the stormtrooper you see was black.
0: That's what I said. You can't say African American because Tatooine. I I don't know.
1: Okay, great, Pat. Anyways, um. <laughs> The part where the X wings were going over the water gave me some chills. I thought that was pretty well, cool.
0: That was a glaring sort of, I guess I don't want to say mishap, but lost opportunity of the of the original trilogy was that you didn't see an X wing or a Tie fighter fight happen on a, over a planet. Right, you saw them taking off from planets, but you never saw them actually battle. Which to me is far more interesting because there's actually you know the physics involved of actually dog fighting, which is what these space battles are are based on. Was George Lucas' love of old World War One and World War Two dogfighting, which means you know combat in the air, but yet we never saw that really over a planet in the sky, so that's going to be at least in the first movie, which is cool to see. So
1: I thought, I mean, you know, that shot was really cool, um, the Millennium Falcon at the end, you know, gives everyone warm fuzzies or whatever, and uh, I don't have any problem with the new lightsaber, just don't, don't really care. Uh, why why are we talking about the new lightsaber for fucking weeks? I,
0: I think it's silly, but cool, the same way... You know the the double sort of uh, Darth. Uh, what the fuck was his name in the first? Darth, Darth Maul. Maul. The, that was cool. They're both totally impractical, and no one cares because it's going to create some interesting fight sequence moments. Yeah, yeah. I, I I mean, people were talking about. Well, you know, on the guard, you can slice through the part hey, of it. What if we curve it a little bit? I, I mean, you I know don't. I mean? <laughs> was that your Adam Sandler? I know. <laughs> but I mean, people were like, well, if you're if you're a, if you're right seat where your finger will get cut off, and it's like. I I don't want to look into it that deep. These are laser swords. So, I mean, we're already suspending our disbelief enough that I can buy a little... Maybe it's an ancient Claymore type of, you know, makeshift sort of maybe his
1: fighting style accounts for the fact that he might lose a finger. We don't We don't fucking know because it's maybe, a teaser trailer. Maybe
0: they shoot out like darts. There are there are sort of some related weapons
1: that do that and, sort of thing. And maybe they'll change it. But I cannot believe that that has been the focus of conversation well, well, for me. But
0: weeks. that was sort of the centerpiece of, of the teaser trailer. You know, that I, was... I guess. I mean, I, all, all said... Um, this is what's important to me. George Lucas is not involved. Yes. That's what's important to me. Oh, don't let Billy from the Game Chasers know that. He'll... Well, he was just trolling people. He'll just skin you alive. He was just trolling people. But, um... He, oh, was he? Supposedly, he was interviewed and said he had even watched the teaser trailer, which tells me I of a lot about George Lucas' yeah, personality. he's a whiny little bitch. I guess. Uh, that's part of it. And he just wanted to get paid more billions of dollars and had nothing to do with something that he sort of yeah. started. But this is what I always said. J.J. Abrams is directing it. If you watch the first two Star Trek movies, they are Star Wars movies to me in, in tone and how the action is set. They're they're not really sci-fi at all. They don't really have... You know what I mean? They're not really traditional Star Trek stories to me. So if he just translated that look and feel and even narrative to Star Wars, they're going to be way more successful uh, creatively and critically than the prequel trilogy. They're using sets. They're using models. They're going back to the way that the original trilogy were created. That alone, the look and feel. If you look at the look and feel of the teaser it even looks, you're never going to have that look of the original trilogy. People that whine about the look, you're not using the same cameras, you're not using the same right. limited tech, it's not going to look like the original trilogy, trilogy aesthetically, but they are filming on actual film, it's not digital, so it's going to look a little bit closer. Yeah, Because just of that alone, well, actual you know, film, things like that. Actual film, models, actual, actual sets, and actual, actual sets. models.
1: That's the big thing for me, is models. Um, that said, I, I I'm still, I feel like my I feel like I burned up all my goodwill with Star Wars. I, I'm not sure what I, how, how much I'm really gonna care, but when it comes out, will I see it? I don't know. I, I need I've to see more. It. I
0: need to see more than the I've, teaser. If I sat through episodes two and three knowing that they're gonna be uh, mediocre to garbage just for the investment, I'm gonna see these because this is this cannot be worse than Attack of the Clones at Phantom Menace. It will be, by default, probably better than Revenge of the Sith. People go, oh yeah, Revenge of the Sith was good. No, no, it was good in comparison to Episode 1 and 2. doesn't make it a good movie. It makes so, it better than those Revenge movies. Revenge of the Sith,
1: as I, as I think we <laughs> stated recently, Revenge of the Sith was good on paper. Revenge was, of the Sith was... It was, a f-
0: it was good in concept. Revenge of the Sith was 5 out of 10. That, at That's, best. At best. <laughs> it was a two-star
1: movie. I will give you that, at
0: best. So, I'm going to see it. I'm excited, and I don't think that JJ Abrams is doing the second and third one. And I like the fact that they're switching up the directors because that worked well, you know, for for the original trilogy, especially with Empire, which again, Empire, best one. Lucas had almost nothing to do with it. Right. Let's move on. Let's move on to this. Was uh, we've talked about this in the past, and I'm sad and happy about the developments of this. Basically, it's come out through hacked. Sony had their email emails hacked up to a high sort of level, up to like their CEOs and high level communication. And supposedly, uh, words coming out, it could have been the North Koreans doing it in retaliation to them producing this interview movie coming out starring Seth Rogen uh, about them trying to kill Kim Jong-un. This whole topic, by
1: the way, once we get into the different articles, is just ridiculous. I don't know that I buy any of it. It, It's
0: just interesting that could be it, but but that movie is coming out soon. Yes. uh, Which is a dark comedy. So, the the word is, and we, we speculated on this, that Marvel was trying to get the rights back to do Spider-Man on film in some way. Because they have uh, Civil War coming up, and Spider-Man play, played a crucial part of that in the comics. Why not get old Webhead back into the movies, but they have to negotiate with Sony, who owns the rights in perpetuity. Right. Because they, kept, they keep putting out mediocre movies. Even though I liked the uh, Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 better than the Raimi films, they, didn't, they were not up to snuff still. Well, Spider-Man 2 was better then, but whatever. So uh, It came out first that they tried and it seemed like up to late November even there were talks that sort of fell apart between Sony and Marvel to make this happen and right. this is what every fanboy wants to see
1: even more so they were talking about getting together to meet in January to kind of finalize these these potential the potential deal to get uh, Spider-Man's appearance in the Marvel Universe
0: at least the appearance if not taking over the film production in right. some capacity so it came out that the, that this fell through people were sad However, then, in response, Latino Review, which is one of the uh, better sort of source of news for uh, movie rumors and things of that nature, she came out like saying... Rambling articles. Okay, <laughs> but they have been around forever, Latino Review. Okay, maybe I just don't and, know
1: anything about movies, but this 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 reads like a wacky conspiracy theorist's fucking diatribe.
0: <laughs> it's coming from a source that's been good to them before, Okay, that their talks are still ongoing between Sony and Marvel... To get this done. To get Spider-Man to appear. So supposedly what was offered. Very interesting. That they offered a 60-40 split. Marvel would finance 60%. Sony 40%. To do Spider-Man movies. And then Marvel would get creative control. So then Marvel puts in the bigger risk. They know more what they're doing. Sony probably realizes at this point. That Marvel knows what they're doing more than them. With these comic characters. It seems like a win-win. Right. and plus the movie will probably make a hell of a lot more with Marvel behind it than Sony because Amazing Spider-Man 2 and, and Amazing Spider-Man did not do nearly as well as they should no it's, with, it with, showed
1: with, in the emails that Amazing Spider-Man 2 in particular underperformed grossly
0: and this is the flagship Marvel character we're talking about there's no yeah, yeah. there's no reason for him to not be able to do as well as Captain America or Guardians of the Frickin' Galaxy right. the name recognition alone he should be up there and he hasn't been Um, so the good news is that this could still be. From the looks of it, this it makes sense for this to be worked on. I think the the word is from this sort of a Latino review article is that Sony's not pleased. And I, if I was a big head of Sony, I wouldn't be pleased either with how these main experiment movies are performing. No. And the, the one sort of positive note here is that it seems like Sony Pictures wants to do quality films like it's it's like a goal for them to want these to be quality films versus a product and that was my biggest argument best uh, amazed my roommate too is that it came across more like a product than a, its own movie yeah. it was filmed like you, a product you've said that the whole time i mean it,
1: from from the placements to just how the movie was it wasn't a movie it was Here's your your, your, your your Spider-Man movie. Here's you know? your product. Yeah, here, here, Here's your
0: comic book for this one. One order
1: of Spider-Man 2. Yes, exactly. One, yeah. one order of a
0: major $500 billion <laughs> film, please. Um, so, they have time to work this out. They're not going to be filming probably Captain America Winter Soldier until probably, I'd say, February March of next year. You mean Civil War. Excuse me, yes. Yeah, Captain America Civil War. They're not going to be filming it until uh, at least the spring. If they work it out, they can fit them into that. There are also supposedly doing reshoots and uh, going back to maybe do more shots for Avengers Age of Ultron in January. Usually they do that before these big films. You have four full months to put in yeah. these. That's enough time to do it. So if they work this out, maybe you could get a Spider-Man cameo in Avengers 2 just to sort of say, wow, he's in this Marvel Universe. Everyone would go a batshit deep, crazy. Yeah, I feel, like, I feel
1: like it's wishful thinking, but I'm, I'm optimistic this is going to happen. Okay. I I feel like it's wishful thinking that you're going to get him in Avengers 2. Although I do think two quick shots of him in that movie. They they don't have to be long. Just yeah. you need I feel like if you can establish him in Avengers 2, it just is
0: just as being present, he's like, he doesn't even have to have a speaking role. You don't. You don't. You don't role. need. You don't need Andrew Garfield. You, all you, no, you, you get Andrew Garfield in a booth to record a few lines. You have. You have while the Avengers are fighting all the like. I say they're fighting all the robots. You have Spider-Man come in and take out one. You need and one, say something. You know what I mean? And you, that's need, it. you need one good quip and he's out.
1: Yeah, and then and then that way it's not so awkward when. You drop him into um, Civil War, and he's a central character. Yeah,
0: you, you have. Say you have all the. They're fight, trying to find off all these robots. Spider Man swings in. He goes, "Oh, I should stick the Queens more." Swings out. Crowd goes fucking ape shit. You know, and then now you're like, "Holy shit, what's going to happen now?" You should write a Spider Man comic, Pat. I, I, well, I, CM Punk's writing <laughs> Thor. I can write a Spider Man comic. Um, so, if if they pull this off, though, I think. The X-Men, we always said, we always say, who cares about the X-Men at this point? Uh, because, I do. You, you, well, we always say that, who cares about, because at least they're on some sort of decent track. They're on a path to with, recovery. On Fox. And it's almost like, it'll almost be hard to fit the mutants back in to the Marvel Universe. But Spider-Man should, should be there. He obviously belongs there. He'd be welcome in Civil War. I think I'd be totally fine keeping Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. I think he's been doing a pretty good job. And have Marvel do a couple of the movies. Because Sony, from all reports, has no fucking clue what they're doing with, again, the flagship character, probably the second or third most well-known superhero in the world. They have no idea how to do this franchise. There's words that they're doing a Sinister Six movie, then a Venom standalone movie, and then doing a female Spider-themed movie somehow. And then this has been confirmed that they were talking about doing an Aunt May film. Like, they don't know what the hell they're doing. So Well, they were going to do it. There was at least but, talk. So, but but the, yeah. The whole point is is that they, they have no these ideas. are movies that should not be made. No. You know, that's the whole point. No, you, know? don't, you
1: don't do a Sinister Sticks film. You certainly don't do a Venom film until Spider Man is well established and liked. And I'm sorry, between the initial trilogy and these two, you don't have a Spider Man that people actually give a shit about going to see. Sure. No
0: one's going to care about a Venom movie. No. And to me, Venom's not an interesting character. Anyway, that's a whole other separate subject.
1: Great. Don't want to talk about it right so, now. So,
0: so it sounds like Sony uh, back in Japan's pissed about this. So they're willing to play ball and might just shit can the people on the U.S. side just get out of the way to make this happy, uh, make this happen. I'm looking forward to that. I'm holding out hope that we're going to see this happen, and then get get a proper sort of Spider-Man movie done via Marvel. Everyone would win. Sony would win. They'd make just as much uh, money probably overall and realize, that, hey, we have a viable franchise now, and we don't have to worry about the creative. Shit, because there is some honor to this—that you own this property and you're not putting out the best. You know what I mean? I know it's, people always say it's about money, 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 but at some point you do want to put out yeah, a good film. No, I mean every, at
1: some point no one wants to
0: hear that they're putting out crap. Sure, and they do see Marvel. Iron Man Three making you know a freaking billion dollars, and you can't put out a Spider-Man film that can compete. And, that, that, and that's you know a film I mean? that
1: most people don't care for. I mean, I loved Iron Man Three, but, I, I mean, Yeah, but a lot of people didn't like Iron Man Three, and it's outperforming. There's it's Spider-Man. Spider-Man man is outperforming it, the Spider-Man it, it movies. movies. So,
0: Pat, you want to talk some wrestling? Wrestling talk. Let's 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 talk some wrestling. Oh man, we're gonna we've started late, but we're, we're gonna. This is this is this has been a whirlwind sort of month for CM Punk. Whirlwind week. So right after Thanksgiving, was it right after Thanksgiving? It was. He did a podcast with Colt Cabana, the the, uh, the Art of Wrestling podcast, which is a really good podcast if you actually listen to it. He does one now. Jericho does one. Stone Cold does one. It seems like all these wrestlers are getting the podcast. I've heard the
1: Jericho one was good, and I've heard the Colt Cabana one is good. I would hope that the... Uh, the Stone Cold? I would, no, I've heard the Stone Cold one is good. I've heard the Colt Cabana one is good. I would hope the Jericho
0: one is good, but I haven't listened to it. Um, so, CM Punk appeared... On on the Colcabana podcast, order of wrestling, basically telling all, basically like a shoot interview, and Kolchakana's his friend. It, se- it seems like the lots of things go over, but uh, CM Punk wa- walked out of the WWE after the Royal Rumble. Um, he revealed that he was injury stricken, which when you look back at his matches late 2013, it was obvious he was moving at a much slower pace. Right, and.
1: As as anyone who follows wrestling knows, uh, they don't want you. To, they they want you back in the ring as quick as you possibly can yes. be. Um, and he had developed kind of a, a mass on his his back.
0: Well, again, this is all from his side, so we. Yeah. this is his, his his point.
1: He had developed a mass on his back,
0: and the I think he uh, said it was like right under his trunks so or right at the waistline.
1: Yeah, and uh, the. The doctors had cleared him, the, 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 the company doctors had cleared him, and hadn't really looked at it, but it kept giving him pain, and by the time he finally got it looked at, uh, it was a MRSA infection, that's, that's staph, that's, that's important. Uh, that, I mean, that's huge. You know, the doctor... That's correct. a bad infection. That's a really that's bad That's an infection. incredibly bad infection. Uh, some, I mean, I know it's people have people. had it. It's, yeah. It, it, well, and the doctor said you are... It, it's good you came to us now because you could have wrestled yourself to death. Well, the later doctor said that, not yeah. the WWE no, doctor. No, I know. Not the WWE doctor. The later doctor said you could have wrestled yourself to death with this infection. Um, I, I mean, I've known people who have, uh, you know, had MRSA, and they've had to be put um, basically in quarantine. I mean, you're, you're, you're not allowed to do anything with this. I mean, essentially, you are to stay put until the antibiotic regimen takes it out. Um, so, yeah, that laid him up for a while, and he decided he was going to take doctor's advice and actually take the time to heal up. But at this point in time, he's still working under, he's still technically yeah. an employee
0: of, of WWE. Yeah, so, so with, CM Punk was never actually fired or quit from his point of view. After January, he was just taking time off. Right, He was still, by his perspective, employed. Uh, they never told him he was fired. He never said he quit. Um, so what happened was, over the course of the next four or five months, it started with, remember that Raw in Chicago in, what was that, late February? We yeah. talked about that specifically. They trashed him. Mm-hmm. They called him a quitter. Uh, on, on pay-per-views, Stephanie McMahon has come out, Triple H had have, have made reference to him being a quitter. All the while, he was still technically employed with the company, or so he thought he was involved. And then it turns out, and Vince McMahon confirmed it on Stone Cold's podcast. He got his termination letters the day of his wedding. Well, I had heard that he had gotten a call from... He got a text from Triple H. H. Right. Triple H is now the CEO COO of the company. And two days before, after he hadn't heard back forever, he, he texted CM Punk saying, Hey, do you have time to, to talk? And CM Punk said, I'm planning my wedding. I'm going on, on my honeymoon. After that, I'll come back and talk to you day, day you know not Right, um, and then two days later, he gets a FedEx uh, saying that you are fired on, on his wedding day, which is wow. That's you know WWE does some fucked up things out of spite. It comes to, you, but that's really bad. Yeah, that's that's low. real. And I have a feeling that that was Triple H and not Vince. I don't feel like Vince would want to do that and totally burn a bridge like that. As it, Vince gets older, Vince
1: mellows. A younger Vince probably would have <laughs> done that, but. I I I feel I, like I, yeah I don't feel like that modern day Vince is sending people termination papers on their ooh, wedding day.
0: Yeah, he the, the the guys in the '60s I don't see him doing that. I just don't. Um, so th- we're going over the over the map with it. So basically, this was not handled correctly. I think from any perspective.
1: No.
0: Uh, Cm Punk and I said this to you in private that and you might laugh at this and people listening might laugh. I see at least a little bit of myself in in, in Phil Brooks, just the fact that. This goes back to my last job, my corporate job. I always was one to speak my mind about how I saw situations, how I saw people acting. Much to my own detriment, even if I knew it was the truth and others did, I always spoke up about things, because I wanted to see things done right. But sometimes that hurts you in the long run, because a lot of times companies don't want that, even if they want, even if the person, even the person saying it actually is steering in the right direction. They will spite themselves. They don't want to give control or power over it to people they don't think deserve it. Right. And CM Punk is a prime example of that. Someone who speaks his mind and speaks up about back uh, earlier this year about it was Daniel Bryan's time. Batista should not be given the main event, and he was right about all those things. Sure. And that's what they ended up doing. They ended up giving rightfully giving the fans and Daniel Bryan what they deserve is that he gets the WrestleMania title shot. And this is what CM Punk always was. He was always a guy that very talented very smart, but maybe too outspoken for his own good and too brash, and so guys like Triple H saw it as disrespectful. Guys like Vince liked that. Guys like Triple H were like, "No, nah, you, you you, were a punk. But you are what your name is. You don't deserve it.
1: Right, and, and that's another weird thing about it. At this point, because Vince... I'm not trying to say Vince has done a face turn, but I do feel like as Vince gets older, he does look upon the younger guys a bit more favorably than he did, especially the ones who are coming up in a a bit more brash and upfront. For instance, Sami Zayn. I feel like like Sami Zayn's probably the type of guy that Vince likes. Why? Because Sami Zayn works his ass off. He's a good wrestler, and he's going for what he wants. Um, Whereas I feel like Triple H is in that In between era, kind of like where he sees, like like it was in the in the in the in the uh, Monday Night Wars and just after, he's at the age where he's seeing all of his power and importance slip away. Sure, and I don't think he likes seeing that go to the younger people.
0: And that was one of it. uh, One of uh, on his podcast, CM Punk talked about that, and he was totally right. And when it happened, it bothered me. Back in two thousand eleven at the end of the summer of Punk when he blew up and went mainstream after dropping the pipe bomb in uh, what, Vegas and CM Punk was the first sort of mainstream attention it got me to watch wrestling again. I hadn't watched wrestling in 3 or 4 years right. before the summer of 2011 that got me back into it sure got it. it got most people back into it Not, and then, it wasn't me I was later but still so Punk was the hottest wrestler on the planet should have been pushed to the moon should have been like Stone Cold uh, you know, 97 where he's just beating the shit at everyone. What did they do? Triple H gets himself involved in a feud. He actually beats CM Punk in a match, uh, even when, even though it had Nash interference. It was bullshit. It sort of it sort of snuffed out at least a little bit of CM Punk's fire when he was the hottest guy going, and it was terrible. Uh, did he recover from the that from that somewhat? But it should never have happened. No, never should have happened. And I don't think he ever fully really recovered from should've that. should Never would have happened. He should have been the hottest guy going. It should have been you know, up to WrestleMania, man, you know what I mean? And he called out Triple H for that, and he was totally correct. When you see Triple H get involved with stuff like Sting coming back, you see a little bit of that, too, Or, or Triple H can't totally leave the spotlight. He's a, You know, he's like the new Vince McMahon, the authority figure. Uh, just get out of the way. And so a lot of things were said during this podcast. It was two hours. I implore you to listen to it. It's just fascinating. It shows you, though, at the end of the day, while... CM Punk had valid complaints at the end of the day he has to realize that not just it's, it's a profession he's chosen it's a type of profession especially WWE you are part of a uh, traveling circus act basically yes. that's what it comes down to you're part of a traveling circus act and even you know you're an independent contractor which is bullshit in WWE land. That, yeah, I know. And that I was know. one. Of, I think that was one of the reasons why they gave. They actually gave Sam Punk a, a, probably a sizable settlement. Is because he threatened to to sue them over that, and then that could have blew up in WWE's faces. Right they could have been facing a, you know, a union or, or a, have, so, have,
1: so quickly for those of you who don't know, uh, no one is actually
0: employed by the technically, technically, Wrestlers by the aren't WWE. technically employed, even though they have things like no compete clauses, which right. for independent contractors, is it totally illegal? You, you are know, stuff like that. Quote, you are called an independent
1: contractor so <laughs> that they can, they can uh, avoid giving you things such as health care um, But your independent contract with them comes with a
0: bunch of uh, do nots. Yes. And that's, Horseshit, and CM Punk I think was threatening to sue over that, and that's when they finally this but, didn't this didn't clear didn't get cleared up until uh, the end of October. All this stuff,
1: I, but I, I mean, and I hate to say this, but if you're a wrestler, I mean, this is your industry, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of my thing with Punk. Um, I don't hate Punk, but at some point, dude, shut up. I mean, yeah. you, you, you made your bed, and it, you made your bed nicely, and you did things right, and you, you, you were in the right, you said the right things, you helped the right people, but you fucked over your own position, and now you have to deal with that. If you don't want to play by the WWE's rules, there aren't many other places you can go.
0: Uh, sure. Oh, he, well, he could have went to uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Well I mean, he could have gone, gone back to Japan. T- TNA would have gave him a ton of money. I, I just, I just mean, if he wanted to wrestle for actual money in the U.S. Well, this is where I, I like Punk. Like I, again, uh, I like his attitude about these things, but he has to come to the table then and fight for things because at the end of the day, it, it, when he was rushed back, when he said Vince was like, oh, you know, he had multiple surgeries. You know, his hip was messed up. He, uh, Ryback. Gave him a, a bad injury. That's a whole other conversation. We can talk about Ryback right real quick later. But at the end of the day, he rushed back himself. He yeah. could have. Te- he could have told WWE after all these injuries he's had, uh, bad rib injury. No, I will not come back early. I want to be healed. Right. And what's the WWE gonna do? They weren't gonna fire him because he was still the top two or three biggest p- people in the company. Right. They he- weren't gonna do that. It was his his decision to come back early. And obviously, it's really bad that uh, he got this staph infection that that. I mean, he could have sued over this. This is probably another reason why they settled with him because he probably could have had a really bad lawsuit against WWE for letting a potentially life-threatening injury go unchecked by their doctor. Right. But he should have had it checked out then, way early, not let it go months and months and months. He's still an adult at the end of the day. Yeah. And so if the working environment's bad, you got to do something about it yourself, right. and not think it's going to get better when obviously it hasn't. You know, we're talking in 2011. He almost didn't resign for these very reasons that he hated how he was treated. So he said, "I'll give the old calls try and do it again." But when it, the bad stuff happens again, then it's on you. It's on you. The same shit keeps happening. And uh, I, I had someone that complained about their bad job to me for like eight, nine years. And I'm like, and dude, fucking leave then or do something about it. Don't yeah. keep If you keep complaining about it, nothing's going to happen. So you know what? The bad working environment, he said it wasn't fun. And, and wrestlers being being treated like shit. If that was the case, if you really had the balls and you had the sort of in, internal strength, why didn't he then do this sort of class action lawsuit or go after them? for this independent contractor stuff then? Why didn't he then? If, if that's really where his conviction lied, wouldn't he be doing, not just himself, but every other wrestler a world of favor by doing that? If he thought he had a good lawsuit, and supposedly he had a really good lawyer to look into that sort of thing, mm-hmm. then he should have done it. Yeah. If he had the conviction. But I think I don't think CM Punk... I think he talks a good game, Yeah, but I don't think he... I don't think he totally, even himself, believes all of it. Because a lot of things, like, I'm not doing this for the money, blah blah blah, but then money factors into it, and it's like, okay, what, like, what's going on well, here? Well, his fucking... I, I don't know
1: that I would like him much as a person, and I think, I think he is a lot of talk, and a lot of that talk sounds right, but I don't know that he can back it up, I guess is what it, what it sure. comes down to. Um, he, he can say a lot of the right... He can say a lot of things, and he can say a lot of the right things, um,
0: but I don't think he can back that up. Sure. Uh lots of other things he revealed I I uh, him and Ryback he, he the only guy he really went off on in a negative way overall was Ryback. Yeah, steroid guy. That was an unfortunate statement just because well, you think that they they test against steroids uh maybe CM point knows something we don't. Uh but Everyone looked bad with that. I think CM Punk shouldn't have gone after Ryback. Still, still, Ryback was still very green. He's improved now recently when he's come back, but we're talking a year and a half ago. Very, uh, at least a year ago, more than that. Very, very green. uh,
1: Ryback is still not great. He's green. I just think for Punk, that's a. You don't say. It sounds so petty to go after someone. Uh, I mean, you go after the management, sure in the in this interview, but this isn't this isn't actually a shoot.
0: It's not supposed to be a shoot interview.
1: Right, it's now. not supposed to be a shoot. You know, this, this is not you go, just going off on everyone. Um, you know, and especially the steroid thing, uh, I would watch my mouth very carefully when saying things like yeah, that. Yeah, that's libel. Exactly. So that's slander, not libel. Slander. It's, slander. it's slander because while I don't necessarily believe that the WWE always plays by the rules, um, there has been a lot of investigation into that stuff. And you just, you can't, unless you have evidence that you're willing to bring forth, you can't, you can't
0: call, you can't say someone's and, it up. And plus, that might piss off other guys with big bodies like Cena, who for all intents and purposes has never been linked to steroids and just has a big body, supplements, and a lot of workout. You can get that big. It's difficult, but you can do that. Sure. So other guys like that, it's just it's just bad for a wrestler to call the guys st- steroids. That was bad. But Ryback didn't come out of this looking good either because Ryback's taking a shot to CM Punk going back to January. Yeah. And, and Ryback had a very disf- distasteful tweet. One of, CM Punk's biggest problems with Ryback is that uh, early on I guess in their feud, and this is after CM Punk I think had his ribs broken by Ryback over a kick uh, he basically went to Vince and said I don't want to work with this guy because he's dangerous Ryback, gorilla press slammed Punk uh, onto a table from a raised position and missed the table with CM Punk crashing down almost entirely onto the concrete floor and he said really messed up his pelvis for a while and then he went to Ryback supposedly and said are you just stupid? Or are you doing this to me on purpose? And Ryback basically, CM Punk, Ryback claims I'm just stupid. Ryback actually tweeted a picture of all these Rybacks figures standing around a CM Punk figure, like, broken up with, like, a table. Very distasteful. If I was CM Punk and I saw that, next time I saw Ryback, there would be something physical going down. Yeah. Because even if he did it by accident, Ryback, and was stupid, you are putting your life into another wrestler's hand hands every time you get out there and to make a joke out of something that could have killed Punk you go look at that clip it's bad yeah. I remember when that happened and thinking oh okay but it turns out that falling eight feet onto concrete on your back you can't fake that that's gonna fucking hurt
1: yeah. you know you can, make, you can make that tweet a, a storyline joke if Punk had come out of that yeah. okay but if Punk actually came out of that hurt that's disrespectful that Dis-
0: disrespectful really bad I think WB probably said to Ryback you better fucking tone your shit down after we we brought you back now, and they're pushing him big. Well, so Christ, Ryback, he's been—I mean, he was nowhere, and now he's he was—he was, back. He was yeah. nowhere. He was injured. Now he come back, and now he's being pushed out as he's big. Ryback, though, that was very disrespectful. I think to any any wrestler to joke about oh, yeah. to joke about uh joke about seriously injuring another wrestler by accident is fucking messed up. Yeah, really messed up. Yeah, just as messed up if not more than calling a guy a steroid guy. But anyway, so CM Punk's got this all off his off his. You know, all this weight's off his shoulders. He's married to AJ Lee. Everything seems to be going great. And now he announces, semi-shockingly, that he's signed a multi-fight contract with UFC. Here's my major problem. Okay, I have, I have a lot of major
1: problems with it. But, I mean, the, the one problem is, dude, uh, this is also where I think his, his personality is going to get him into trouble. Uh, dude, you are not... I, I mean, I'm not saying you can't train and go out there and put on a decent match, but where on earth do you get the idea that you are a, a, an ultimate... Fi- a a, a world-class mixed,
0: mar- mixed martial artist? Uh,
1: uh, yeah, a world-class mixed martial what? artist. Uh, where does Dana... I mean, Dana White, you know, does this I've... signs him because it's, it's going to be good for views, but Punk is going to get himself killed out here, and this is what really bothered me about it. So Punk makes a lot of good points on the podcast about you know, they rush you back to the ring, but you got to have time to heal up from your injuries, and I don't want to, you know, be broken by the time I'm like 40 or 50. And then he goes and he signs up for the UFC with no training.
0: Okay, well, there's a lot of things to talk about here. First off, um, at at least in mixed martial arts, you only fight usually at most four times a year. Yeah. So the wear and tear... At least on paper is a lot less than 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 on wrestling. On paper, yeah, it, it is. Here's the problem, though. It's not like uh, CM Punk. No, I just mean it is hypocritical. I well, mean, this is what's hypocritical. What's hypocritical is him getting. He'll be main eventing his first pay per view with a zero and zero record. He has no right to do that. No. You think he has no? People are gonna get on me for saying he has no right to. To write a Thor comic, he has no right to take another uh, someone else's spot. There's guys that are fighting in cage matches out in Iowa for years in front of 300 people that would wish they got these 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 sort of it, these sort of uh, op- even the opportunity to do this.
1: Right, and now and now he's doing the exact thing that he bitched about the WWE doing, which is bringing back part timers, main eventing, and- yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and now he's, he's so, getting the shot to do that.
0: I will disagree with you. I don't think he's going to get killed because Dana even said this. this isn't like bringing in Brock Lesnar, who Lesnar had world class collegiate, uh, collegiate uh, amateur wrestling experience. He had fought. Remember, Brock Lesnar's first fight was not in UFC. He did one or two elsewhere in mixed martial arts before Dana White got in there. Plus, the heavyweight division in the UFC when Lesnar came was so thin that it wasn't the biggest danger. If he's fighting, I believe he'd be fighting in the 185 uh, division, that's the most like, stacked division. So even Dana said we're not going to be fighting him against number one contenders or contenders. We'll be fighting other guys that are one and zero or one and one or zero and zero. That said, that's fine. But Dana White's always also said he doesn't want UFC to be a circus act. But now it's or a circus, circus act. act. Because even if uh, the wear and tear... It's weird because CM Punk said like the wear and tear in my body from pro wrestling. I had to step away from it. He's been wrestling professionally, CM Punk, for 20 years. He started like in his mid-teens, I believe, like 15 or 16. Man. I can't imagine the wear and tear in his body. To go from that to try to train... Mixed martial artists you have to understand this isn't a hobby for them. Yeah. They train this like four to five hours a day. Every day. Six six days a week, yeah. let's we'll just say. It's their it's their life. It's their absolute life. It's tough. It's not I'm not saying professional wrestling is it's, it's professional wrestling is totally different because obviously uh, professional wrestling you're performing almost every night. Yeah. Um you're not getting punched in the face directly. You're not you don't have to get worried about getting knocked out well, you can get knocked out by accident, but you know what I mean? It's, it's a different beast entirely. Uh, but now Punk has had jujitsu training. He's tra- trained with one of the Gracies. He's done, uh, I think he's done training Muay Thai. That's fine. But mixed martial arts, especially UFC level, is not for hobbyists. Yeah, You you can get hurt, which is why, again, they're not going to be putting him, they're not going to put something, someone in the ring with Punk that he's going to get killed because then no one wins. It'd be like Kimbo Slice Lover again. The Howard Kimbo Slice, Slice who was a street brawler, yep. who we was a terrible him. mixed martial artist. Yeah put on terrible matches and then gets knocked out easily. But at least with Kimbo Slice, he went on the Ultimate Fighter show and earned his spot at least to, to train and show that he could do, do it. it. I know, Now, I have no no qualms about it. I think CM Punk's going to try his hardest. That's the type of person he is. He doesn't want to disrespect everyone else in the ring. But again, again, if you're if you're a mixed martial artist, you're fighting in one of these other smaller leagues, and maybe Dana Weiss rejected you and say you're a world-class athlete, you're like, why? where's my shot? Who's this yeah. guy to get all this money and get these this shot so that's where Punk's been hypocritical and he's like yeah he even says "Like, well I, I, he said I know why fighters will be pissed at me but be pissed at Dan not me so there's that to be said too I
1: don't know I think he's a jerk <laughs> okay then anyways it's time for
0: some Q&A and a on the CU podcast we're gonna we're gonna skip talking about uh, what did we skip we Wait, talking... we're skipping another fucking trailer because I didn't no, no. see it well, well Deadpool is officially gonna start shooting in March at Ryan Reynolds that's cool news that's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, okay, so everyone knows that now. <laughs> and, and, and Mad Max, if you're a real trailer... We'll talk about Mad Max later. That was a really awesome trailer. All right. From Helen. Hi, Helen.
1: Helen J. Spence. Uh, Pat, are there going to be surprises for the punk in the new year or anything new that you would like to try with your videos? Well, let's see.
0: Well, uh, there's a new DVD coming out next year. That's punkish. I have a probably a writing project... That I'll be finishing next year, I'll be working on, with other people, with a smirk, um, and then, yeah, you don't want to. It, it always comes to my mind where, people, give up their sort of uh, series. Uh, nostalgic critic Doug Walker gave up doing nostalgic critic for a while. Was done with it. Um, if, if there's if there's an audience or if, if creatively I want to keep doing it, it's going to be seven years of be doing Pat the Point videos. Come June of next year. That's a long time. Yes, it is. That's longer than most TV shows. We're join talking... the UFC. Join the UFC. Yeah, I, I was going to join the Throwdown June when I first moved here, but I would get myself killed anyway. Um, as long as I have good ideas that I think are good, I'm going to keep doing it. For me, doing video game reviews is not challenging. Actually, writing the game review of I'm going to review Guardian Legend. That it, the, the, the the challenge to me is to find it creatively interesting with stories. That's just how I am. I've always been a short story writer. Um, so. What I'm sort of gravitating towards, if you saw it in my Toki uh, video, you'll see it in my little bit of my Christmas video, definitely in the video I planned for January. I'm going to be commenting more on things going on, maybe in the YouTube community or gaming world. Almost not want to say it's going to be like South Park ish, but I want to say something a little bit more besides. Here's a zany story that might be the direction I'm going to be going in in the future as much as much as I can. Uh, and this is from at Crazy John T. What, your, what were your thoughts on the Game Genie when it first came out, and how do you feel about it now? I remember my
1: next-door neighbor got a Game Genie. He was a kid a few years younger than me, about my brother's age. and I, It's weird. I, I, even at a young age, I was split on the Game Genie. Um, games that I had had for a long time... I like to use the Game Genie on to access levels that I can never reach or do, like, those weird codes, like, you know, all the cars are backwards or, you know, Mario's jumps are, like, 500 feet in the air. Sure. But, you know, I saw so few games, you know, you got games so infrequently that I never wanted to break, like, a rental or break, you know, a new game I had gotten open with the Game Genie because I wanted to try and get to the those areas myself. Now they're fun. I mean, they're handy for... You know, jumping around and stuff like that. But you can do all that sort of stuff in emulators. I just, I don't know. As a kid, they were they were neat, but I, I never owned one. I just borrowed one constantly. I never felt it was
0: essential. I knew about two of my friends that had one. I always looked at it as like an illicit drug. It always didn't feel right to me. Yeah. To hack into these these pieces of art. You know, it just didn't, it felt weird. I never had the inclination, oh, I want to see a glitched out Super Marvel. I just didn't want to do it. That thing it's wrong but it just felt weird as like you know an eight-year-old nine-year-old ten-year-old just doing that and now i never really had an inclination to do it i just never did yeah maybe because i didn't like ever cheating in video games i just didn't feel like oh infinite lives like that's cool but i don't want to
1: yeah i don't know i never did either just because i wanted the game to last longer but, like I said, I did like the hackier codes that you you yourself said you did. And I did like the ones that gave Mario, like, moon jumps and stuff like that. I guess,
0: uh, yeah, I just, I don't know, I was never drawn to it. I always thought, it, maybe it was maybe I was too much a Nintendo fanboy, was unlicensed. I it was like, oh, you shouldn't be using it. <laughs> Alright, this is from Real Jeff Unstick. Hmm. Real Jeff, I think it's Funstick.
1: Real, real, real Jeff Funstick. <laughs> Do you think, uh... Do you think DLC has replaced unlocking content in games because we don't have, have
0: the time to do it anymore? No, DLC is just a, another form of revenue for companies. They don't give a shit about your playing experience. They think they see the money. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's because we
1: don't have time to do it anymore. I think it's a, it's a it's a money thing. Now, it is interesting that you bring up the time because uh, there are games with tons and tons of unlockables that. Uh, will offer, I think a lot of them are EA games, but I think Ubisoft games do it too, that will offer you a, a bit of DLC. It's usually like 2 bucks, And it'll unlock everything there is to unlock in the game. Just boom, done. You can still play through the story mode, but all the unlocks, all your cars, all your wrestlers, all your fighters, whatever the hell it is, they're all unlocked so you don't have to go through all this shit that you can't do. Um, now that's, that's totally a personal thing. Is your time worth the $2 or not? I'm not going to make that judgment call. However, the DLC um, that, like, adds costumes to Street Fighter, uh, that's just pure money-making revenue. You know, I miss unlocking things like costumes and alternate outfits in games. Um, unlocking secret levels or unlocking weird stuff like that. And, yeah, it's, it's not it's not because the company's
0: benevolent to us. It's, it's because they want more cash. Yeah, I think when they're designing games now, especially for, like, we wrote up Capcom into, like, doing these cheap you know palette color swaps for 199 they when they make these games they now see it's not like oh this is bonus money they see this okay how much money when we design this game can we make from DLC how much more percentage can we make yeah I, and
1: that's the unfortunate thing i especially a company like capcom who's hurting for money i don't think capcom is you know if if you're smart let's say you're working at a job and there's a possibility you might get a bonus at the end of the month. If you're smart, you don't you don't budget that bonus into your 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 money. I I uh your your you know the money that you make per month. Um I think Capcom budgets DLC. I think they count on that those DLC downloads. They need that money and I think they structure their games in a way that they're going to get that money. Um and that's I don't know, that's what a a poor dying company does, I guess. From Jaron Kazan. Hello, Jeron. Older
0: video game commercials had a bit more charm than today's. What do you think happened? What I think happened is that video games started to be, uh, well, they started to be designed, developed, and marketed as cinematic experiences versus being sold on the gameplay. So now you see all these commercials where they're, they look like movies, they're presented like movies, and the gameplay is secondary, if, if existent. When you see when you watch like these now you watch all over football. If you told me like six seven years ago that you'd see uh, video game commercials splashed over football and prime time shows, I would have said you were crazy. But now it's commonplace. Right. And but they're presented like movie trailers. I don't think they know how to. I don't think they either know or don't don't care. I don't think it it's effective to market video games as games anymore. I think I I think they see that the way we market it is as is as a movie trailer. and That's how it works. Right. And that's, that's how it. That's how it started. Uh, I think it started more in movie theaters first. Before you see a movie, you see trailers for games, and then now, it's, now you see the commercials. I would, um, I, I
1: agree mostly with Pat. I think it's, well, thank you, Ian. I think you're welcome. It happens once in a while. Uh, I mean, as when we were younger, you also have to remember that games are targeted to a younger demographic. They were thought of as toys, whether they're electronic or you know not. You know, they're part of a system, um, so they were a little bit sillier. But they definitely focused on gameplay because you know that's what kids wanted to see. As the systems got more powerful, they could do these cinematic things. And I actually can kind of, I, I, if I had to point my finger at one commercial that changed how video game commercials were done, it would be the Final Fantasy VII commercial, which showed very, very little gameplay. It did show gameplay, but it showed very little gameplay because it wanted to show off the wow, whiz-bang, new CG cutscenes that were in the game. And then after that, you started to see a lot of that. Now I think it's they'd show all the cinematic stuff because they want to get across story because everyone knows what a brown first person shooter looks like
0: everyone knows what a space shooter looks like right. at this point you know, everyone, halo or yeah mass i mean effect.
1: you know in, in why everyone knows what a sports game looks like why would they waste precious advertising seconds Showing you what you already know,
0: which is a shame. Which basically tells you then all these games now are playing exactly the same, the, same. the same. Right. So it's the it's the window dressing is how we can sell these huge. Yeah, titles. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm saying we can't we can't sell this first person shooter anymore on its own. We sell it because it has Kevin Spacey in it. Right. Basically, which is unfortunate. <laughs> Henry Delgadillo. Delgadillo.
1: What are your thoughts on resellers buying all the good stuff early at game conventions before it opens to the public?
0: I've, I've seen this happen firsthand. I've seen it happen to me. Um, it's like anything else. People want to say it's capitalism. Sure. I think it's shitty. Yeah, it is shitty. It's very shitty. Now, obviously, sellers do it to protect their own prices. I uh, One of the ways it happened to me once was uh, it was a Portland, and one of the bigger sellers that was there, I'm not going to say their name, but I do remember them, um, bought a couple of the marquee titles at extras of. I think I had like a let's just say a Mario Kart. Say I had the Mario Kart for probably like $15 to $20. Yeah. Let's just say. And then you go to their booth, they have for 45 And it was my copy. Then I recognized the guy that bought it right before it opened. Right. And it was like okay, <laughs> I, I see what you're doing. Um, if you're at least honest about it, or, or Maybe like what some guys will do is they'll say, listen, you know, if you, if you sell me what you have, maybe at the end of the last day, give me a good deal on it. If you don't want to, get, you know, that's fine. People have said it to me, yeah, you know, I think I, I had a, uh, some extra boxed, uh, boxed NES games I've had over the years. I had like eight to 10 doubles and it was like, at, uh, I think it was, uh, SGC. Um, one seller bought it all like the, uh, the last day he said, uh, he gave me a deal on it or it was retro It was one of them. Um, that's fine. I had no problem with that. But I think it's really bad because um, a lot of these people are going, you know, they're traveling on planes and they're spending a lot of money on tickets and hotel. And at least I, I understand that a lot of these conventions, I'm not paying for tail space Well, I'm paying in terms of I'm going there, I'm doing panels and things like that. But I'd like to give some sort of savings back to the people that show up versus having them get charged double that's elsewhere. And that, that opportunity is taken away from them. And it's shitty because it'd be nice for them to get a deal. Sure. Versus, I wouldn't want to go personally. When I go out to these places, I don't want to pay eBay prices. Obviously, I'm traveling to these places. I don't get up at seven a.m. or six a.m. to go to so to pay eBay prices. What's the point? I can just buy on eBay. Yeah. So 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 it's not just shitty because that they're taking away the, like a nice experience that they could be getting. On top of that, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I mean, what else can you do? What say? I mean, I, yeah, I just think it's crappy because it, it's a
1: smaller. You know, when it's at a convention, it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't know, it's a smaller community, and a lot of them are there to see what they can pick up. I feel like everyone should kind of have access to it at the same time, and obviously, it, it's really hard to police that. It, it, it's like at Comic Con, you know, you're not supposed to sell anything until the floor is open, but you know, people from other booths will go around, and that's fine. But we're not buying limited stuff, and we're also not buying stuff and then reselling it. We're simply just getting our piece of the pie before. You know, before you have to start working, but to actually scoop it up off of someone else and then resell that copy. Um, and this is, you know, people bitch all the time um, about, well, if, you know, I've had people say it to me in the store, you know, well, I'm like, well, this is what the game's going for. I wish it was going for cheaper. I'm sorry. Well, if you wish it was going for cheaper, why don't you sell it for cheaper? Well, because of what you just said, Pat. Um, if you price your stuff too low, in any situation, like a, a like a convention or a flea market, or even a, a retail store that where and there's other retail stores in San Diego, you sell something for twenty that's currently going on average for forty on eBay. Someone's going to buy it and make a twenty dollar profit off of it. Sure,
0: you know, I mean, you I have mean, to walk this weird line.
1: Yeah, it, 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 it's it, and, it I, and I
0: found that out myself firsthand.
1: Yeah, and it's it, it, it sucks to walk that weird line, but no one, I don't, I feel like people just don't take that into account, and that's a very important thing to to. Remember, when you're buying stuff, people, good people will try to give you a good deal, but they're also trying to watch their back and make sure that they still, and now I'm going outside of conventions, but trying to make sure they still have a business to run.
0: Sure. And I hate to say it, but the people that have been the most nefarious with me and me selling my extras at conventions have been people that had booths down the way. I remember one, I I, I usually don't get pissed, uh, but there was one time where I just about did. Because I I, th- I think it was when I had a bunch of manuals, and um, I don't know the prices of the manual. I don't, that's one of the NES games I don't keep up with the price of manuals. Right. So I I I, realized, I think I, I next I had an extra Mega Man one, which I know goes for a little bit of money. At least like twenty bucks at least, because that's a hard to find one. At least. So stuff like that, like that. I had an extra Mega Man one. I had some other ones I believe that were in there, and so so I said, okay, I will give you. Pro- I said I, th- I said I think I said to him something to the effect of, um, I'll give you like. Um, I said to the fact that, all okay, right, I'll I'll count them all up, I'll give you like 20% off, you know, 15, 20% off of, you know, uh, the eBay average sole price. They win, I win, you know. And then so I count I counted up, I said, okay, this is what you, you get get off this money. And then there was two guys there, and one of them guys said, You said 30%. And I said, No, I never said that. And even the person next to me said, No. So this motherfucker was trying to somehow trick me or shame me or something to get more of a deal off when I know he was just going to resell him anyway. It was like, I know there's no honor amongst thieves, but it's like, why would you, I don't understand, like, you think that's going to work with me? Like, it was really, there's, there's some, there's bad people in every sort of walk of a life. Mm-hmm. But that to me is the worst type of person. Oh, yeah. That to me is the very worst. You're not just, you're, you're being slimy and dishonest on top of what's already going on, it's like, come on, man! Don't, don't, fuck, it. don't, don't, don't do that. Come I'm on. skipping this next one because I've no, I don't know what it's about. Now. Okay, real quick, at Brian Beekert, what is your opinion on the public reaction to Lucky Chloe the Tekken Seven teaser? Absolutely ridiculous. So if you want to Google it real quick, Lucky Chloe as a character has been Chloe, revealed. That's Chloe. Chloe. Chloe? Sure. Now you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna admonish me on that when You don't know what we're talking about. So Lucky Chloe is a character that is basically, I guess, she has a schoolgirl outfit on, she has, like, knee pads, and she has, like, a furry, like, kitten arm sweatshirt with ears and headphones. She looks absolutely ridiculous. And I guess there are fans that are up in arms over her being a Tekken 7 character.
1: Okay? There's robots in Tekken.
0: There's robots in Tekken. There's pandas. There's there's tiny dinosaurs that fart. There are you know what I mean there's wood people in, in Tekken. I like the Tekken franchise a lot. But Tekken is known for having the most ridiculous characters in the game. Why are people getting upset about Lucky Chloe? I don't know. Uh the Tekken game director Katsuhiro Harada responded to the fan outrage saying that um he uh, I don't know if this was a joke. People were saying he 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 fucks with fans. He fucks with fans, ruthlessly. So, he basically kind of said, this isn't for you. She's not going to appear in, uh, for Western audiences. It's only going to be in Europe and Japan.
1: And then he said that they were going to give us an MMA skinhead type fighter.
0: Okay, great, fine. Which is funny as hell. It is. <laughs> the same
1: Whatever. Um, at Jody Anthony, thoughts on YouTube game personalities
0: destroying cartridges in their videos generally done for comedy? Well, we know how that started. It started with James. He sort of set the precedent. No one was doing it for James hitting stuff with a hammer, and other YouTubers are followed. At this point, can we, can we say at this point uh, that it's been done to death? It's been done to death. And, and it bothers me that people destroy games and videos. It just bothers me. I elbow-dropped one once, and then bit it. But that was about it. And last but not least... <laughs> that was the shortest one ever.
1: Because it's 1130 Sean at Game Mana, my good buddy Sean, is the abundance of mobile gaming going to cause the next generation of men to pee sitting down? <laughs> I've actually learned to play simple iPhone games while peeing standing up. So
0: I really hope you drop your phone into a, okay. a bowl of piss.
1: I'm totally all right. Fun. You're okay with
0: that? Yeah, I'll tell you what this has done, though. Um, you know, you used to have like books, yeah, or even magazines you'd read for the bathroom. I'm illiterate now. You know, yeah. I haven't I have read since 2011. When, you when, know, be, because it's all now just going on your phone, not just games and playing Zynga poker and checking Twitter. It's all of that instead of just reading a nice Robert Ludlum thriller or, or reading Ray Bradbury. I
1: I don't I don't do it anymore. I don't take anything into the bathroom with me anymore. I, I did like because it's not just books; it's games that do it too. I, when when Smash came out on the 3ds, I found myself taking 45 minute shits, and it's not because I'm <laughs> it, it's not. It wasn't for lack of fiber. It was just like I was in the zone, and like I was like, oh. Oh, I'm done. I have company over. <laughs> I, should <laughs> probably, I should probably get up. All right. For
0: Patrick Contry, this is Ian Ferguson saying good night. This may this may be our final podcast of the year. We're not sure yet. I have a lot of stuff. I got to get a DVD done in a month. Out to to the you know the presser, so to speak, to the the producer, and we're not sure how our schedules will be coming you know eking out the rest of the year so we'll try to get a christmas special in so for ian country he attempted to sign off i'll be pat country
1: you just called me ian country i'm
0: so tired we got to do these earlier
1: so no well then we start at like 8 30 or just have it what, we do it on tuesdays
0: that's not no that's not happening can't happen we, we stop the podcast we'll see you later everyone have a good one podcast is over good night <laughs> it's done